Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Basically, Toto's like, hey, why do you, why do I sense Grimmy? Do you know Grimmy? And he kind of like, oh yeah, I know Mr. Grimmy. He's like, and he says, Tokonata said, what the f***? What is up? Welcome back to Bleach Boys. Happy holidays. Happy 2024 because this is probably going to come out, out like uh, on New, Year's, New Eve. Year's Eve. Yep. So wish we had poppers and streamers <laughs> just started throwing just, them across the garage. Just, yeah. Love that shit. We're back with the back half of Camp Fear One Volume 2. This is going to complete the novel. This is where all the meat happens. This basically ends right at the beginning of the conflict. It's fucking insane. So crazy shit. The world's longest fight ends from the beginning of the half of uh, the novel. Know. I was like, shit. Um, barely. And then we go right into another one. So it's all kinds of craziness. Here with Jose, Pythes as always. Welcome, everyone. I have to ask, uh, how did you guys enjoy this volume? thought it was good. I, I loved it. Like, Remember when I asked a question early on in uh, Can't Fear Your Own World? Or not Can't Fear Your Own World. Thousand Year Blood War? Fucking got answered here. There was a lot of um, nods to other characters in yeah. the, the kind of the back half, like uh, just name dropping last names and shit like that, or just in a slight comment, like, oh, yeah, that's the power. Like, this guy was like, oh, okay, all right, I guess we're just going to throw that out there. Sure. I'm excited. Let's get into it. <laughs> all right. Chapter 10. We are starting in the classic where they're kind of building up the setup. There's the setting here, and they're talking about Karakura Town. Unlike when the Soul Reaper is moving Karakura Town during Aizen's Invasion, the wall that has appeared, so just we're all on the same page, this is a static wall and is only affecting the Soul Reapers. Humans can still enter and come, but if a Soul Reaper attempts to enter, they basically pop out the other side. It's like Karkar Town doesn't even exist right here. I thought that was funny. Yeah, super interesting. So they give the example, if you enter on the west side of the barrier, you go straight through to the fucking east side, nothing. You can't even enter. And this is where we pick up in the Urahara shop, Urahara Shoten, if you're using the lingo from the book. And we pick up with the conversation of Yukio and Urahara while Shuhei is just kind of hanging out. And Urahara is like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, of course I know why you're here, Yukio, and why you would be after me. He says it's clearly to recruit him to his conglomerate video game company as a man with such business acumen that he creates his own candy in-house. It only makes sense him. that we need him at that point. I fucking love him. And while Urahara is kind of just like joking and prodding with Yukio, 
Yukio is noting how frightening Urahari is because he's kind of getting closer and closer. He's using these conversations to figure out what it is he's actually doing. And he's trying to get a reaction out of Yukio as he's doing it, which very similar to Tokunata, by the way. Mm -hmm. Very similar. And so they continue this game of kind of like mental chess. And all of a sudden, people start to be appear behind Hisagi and attack Hisagi, wielding these batons. And Shuhei knows that although he did request a Gentei Kaijo, he hasn't heard anything back about releasing it. So he's still nerfed to like 10% or something like that. 20%. There you 20. go, 20%. And Shuhei wonders if these guys are humans. And he eventually deduces that uh, if they're with Yukio, they're most likely full bringers. And then he dodges an attack as it barely scrapes his nose. And Shuhei notices his body beginning to lag by about that of actually. 10%. Shuei jumps to the sky to start avoiding these fullbringers below, and then he hears the voice of a woman chime in above him. He immediately turns to see a beautiful woman in a suit, and he asks if he, you're Quincy, and she, he's like, nah, like, you gotta be a fullbringer. But then she disappears, and all of a sudden is behind him with an arm wrapped around him, and she says, exacta, which is very reminiscent of the words of the Arankar Fendor that Shuei fought. Hisagi is immediately taken aback by her knowledge and asks, what are you, a fan? And then she's like, oh, yeah, well, so what if I am, you know, what, what about it? And she says, I've always wanted to meet you. And just then Hisagi is taken back to being voted the most likely to fall prey to a woman attacking his weakness. They straight up roasted the boy. Yeah. And because of that vote, he specifically uses that to not fall for her week, for her yep. attack. She's like, nope, I can't do that. And he splurts out that you're not even dressed like Rangiku, so you're no match for me. I do love that. <laughs> he's like, he's like, your chest isn't as exposed as Rangiku's. Yep. And that's when we see the people from below begin to extend their batons into the sky, forming these tentacle-like things with symbols on them as they just begin attacking Shuhei. And Shuhei's still trying to figure out what their goal is, and Aura reveals that they want to make this place, Karakura Town, a throne for the new king. Immediately as though, like, puzzle pieces fitting together, he murmurs the word uh, Hikone, and then Aura is taken aback that he knows that name. Uh, Shuei asks if she's an underling for Tokunata, and she says, I did say I was a handmaiden earlier, but underling doesn't quite fit what my job title is. Each time Shuei cuts the tentacles that are attacking him, he's feeling his body grow slower and slower. And he thinks it's similar to the time that he was defeated by Yumichika or something closer to Wabisuke, which the Yumichika callback is from Soul Society Invasion. I was about to like, say, I'm like, holy yeah. shit, dude. What a callback. Yeah, that is way back. And if you remember, that fight took place totally off off screen because we didn't find out Yumichika's powers until way later when yeah, they were totally. actually in Kar Kar Town. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll get into it later, but the author of the book, Naruto, is a massive fucking bleach nerd. <laughs> you can tell but yeah. some of the when we get to the back half some of the callbacks and the nods i'm like oh shit okay uh urahara is down below and continuing to talk to yukio and he's like my what a vulgar thing you've done are you sure that you and the possessed can handle this or i heard him say that and then she's like wow you truly are frightening urahara kisuke and asks if he's figured out her ability urahara is like you know, classic. Well, you know, of course not. You aren't using a single special ability now, are you? Actually, to be more precise, I suppose I should say you can't use one. And then we go over to another spot in Karakura Town where we see Shino and Ryunosuke are investigating the walls as well. When all of a sudden they get jumped by people in black suits with gas masks as well. Shino immediately gets hit and gets knocked to the ground. And just as the attackers begin to wind up their attack, a mysterious woman in a red tracksuit jumps down. Who could that be? Yep. We find out, of course, it is Hiyori. And she's just hanging out in Karakura Town doing odd jobs for Ikumi. I When I saw that and mm -hmm. she, the, the shirt she was wearing, I was like, ah, yep. she's taking after the boy. Fucking awesome. And she says that considering the situation they'll, that they're in, she'll help them for cheap. Don't worry about it. And Ryunosuke is immediately like, okay, two for a horror shot, please. Like, go ahead. Like, I'm down. And Hiori picks them both up, immediately jumps away. And Hiori thinks back to her former half-comatose lantern face superior and says having to rely on him is no joke, but in this situation, it's the right thing. We go back to the Urahara shop. Aura is still trying to shake Hisagi and... Uh, 
well, still trying to shake Asagi and bring it up uh, about him killing Tozen, but he doesn't budge on any of that stuff with Asagi now having his Zanpakuto at her throat. Just then, Aura begins to just straight up walk forward into the blade and just literally separates her head from her body, and Isagi feels no pushback. Aura just simply puts her head back on the body. Hisagi's totally fucking confused, and Hisagi releases his Shikai, beginning to attack her to test her new powers, and the attacks just go right through her. Just like she's... Fo- Dude, she's, she's buggy. Fo- yeah, she's buggy. And Aura explains that Execution has 770,000 members, and asks if Hisagi would like to know how she got so many. She says she simply showed them miracles right in front of their eyes. Just he- like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Jesus, has <laughs> I think. Uh, he says <laughs> Isagi wraps her up with the chains of Kazushini and uses a binding spell and tells her that magic tricks won't work on a binding spell. But Aura begins to just look like smoke and goes right through it fucking again. All tension is lost. Isagi calls down Urahara and tells him, like, no, she definitely has an ability. She's up to some crazy shit up here. And then he f- appears behind him and stabs him. with. So Urahara appears behind Isagi, stabs him with a needle. And Urahara explains that he has just forcibly removed his Gente Kaijo and that he wasn't wrong. She cannot use her full bringer ability, but she is using soul subjugation. He explains a full bringer controls a ratio that dwells in material and they twist and manipulate the material or sometimes the law of physics themselves. On top of that, sometimes they can take something they have a special attachment to and change it to create an ability of their very own. But she doesn't have that. She is directing the water and the earth to move and even controlling the cells in her own body and the atmosphere itself. She's controlling her blood and skeleton. And then he goes, no, she's actually manipulating her body at the brain and blood cell level to make herself look like smoke, even as though she's still living. And he says, I think those things are beyond common full bringer knowledge. He says, to better explain it, it's, it's almost as if you're using just uh, instead of a Zanpakuto, she's using Keto and Hakuta skills on Aizen's level. That's fucking insane. When he said that, I was mm-hmm. just, what the fuck? Yeah. So Aura once again is like, damn, Urahara, you're like, you are frightening. And Urahara says, so if you have so many followers, what are they doing right now? And then we get a brief scene of Yukio saying he's going to interfere directly and gives him the, both Shuhei and Asagi and Urahara to be like, yeah, hey, you know, do your best. Go for it. And he said that he's going to resume his mission to fulfill the role he'd been given. He did it even though it meant betraying the very thing he was supposed to protect. And that is the end of chapter 10. So brief summary that there's a lot of back and forth in between Yukio and Urahara kind of um, playing a little bit of a game and poking at each other Mm. to see who can figure out what information. The goal here, which they stated from the start, is for Urahara. They want Urahara. That's I think that happened in the last chapter. They want Urahara. And Hisagi the whole time was like, the fuck? Like, I'm just like caught up in this whole thing. Very good chapter. I like the introduction of Aura, and I feel like once again, as a BBS player, I kind of knew what her abilities were yeah. already. But very good. Now you get to understand why there are those minions in BBS that are just dudes in suits with gas masks. Yeah, oh. thank you. I was those was, human fuck. They yeah. attack fast as yeah. hell, bastards. They're, they're fucking quick. It's mm-hmm. them. I did love all the like BTS that we got with Karakura Town. They even yeah. talked about the labor that went into it, yeah. when, like moving people and shit. I was like, damn. Yeah, okay. that was an interesting part. At the beginning of the chapter, they talk about like how long it took them for to move everybody and like what a labor this went through. Which now that you bring that up, that comes up later at the yeah. very end of this book. Yeah, I was so like, I'm like, wow, it went full circle from where we started on this one. Interesting, and I love everything going into we need Urahara to not be here because he's such a problem <laughs> yeah it goes to show where you know they've talked about like at the beginning i think it was the beginning of this book where they talk about car car town's no joke with the people that reside mm-hmm. there you know ishida ishida's dad 
Ichigo, Ichigo's dad, and then Urahara. It's yeah, like, they're they're, like, how the fuck are we going to deal with All they have- of those people in the same spot, and they need to get them removed. And they're like, this is our time, Ichigo. All of his friends ran off to go fucking save Ichigo's sisters. The dad's gone. It's just Urahara that we need to get rid of now. He's the guy. And you find out they do have a motive for wanting to use Urahara later, which is very interesting. But yeah, yeah. Hey, crazy shit so far and I like that it's taking place at the Urahara shop I feel like we don't see it too often aside from the brief moments Ichigo goes at a train same thing with Chad yeah and then I you know they, they keep it relevant too where they talk about Tessai Jinta and Ururu where they're at at the moment so I don't I don't know just this chapter it was a longer one but overall I was okay with it I was like alright I see what we're doing now it's starting to cook a bit now we're getting into the stuff I read because I read that last time. And uh, so I don't have any notes for that. I think my one note I wrote was, man, Rangi could be super pissed if you heard that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's roll on to chapter 11. It, there's a lot more to discuss the further it gets on into the book, especially where it ended. So chapter 11, we pick up with Grimjo and Loopy still going at it. We're hopping back over let's to the go, Soul Society. Let's go, my boy. Grimjo is now in his release form and attempts to pierce Loopy right through the chest like he did before. Wait, wait, wait. Hot take? Yep. Not a huge fan of that release form, you know? Yeah, that, that release form is dog shit, honestly. I love Grimjo. Trust me, I love him. But the release I, form, I don't know. I just, I think it's cool. But other than that, I'm like, listen, oh, well, you know, I'm not as big as a Grimjo dick writer as some people here, <laughs> but all day, baby. I really hope he gets a second release, Segunda Etapa, just so he can get a different look for that form. Please. It's horrible. Would you say that Loopy's is better? No. There we go. Uh, I think you could make an argument for his can't fear your own world. Can't fear your own world form looking pretty cool. Yeah, because it's got the spikes on it. He's covered in stitches. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks much cooler in that form. So I, I, in Grimjo's a low bar, I think he'd give it a run for the money. There are some way worse resurrections out there, but I agree. I just think Grimjo looks like a 90s metal, hair metal band guy. <laughs> Which, I mean, is not a bad thing. It's just I kind of wanted something cooler. He, but, look, you know. he looks like a backup singer for Kiss. Totally. Yeah, I could totally. see something like that. Yeah, it's like nineties. I mean, oh well, I love the boy regardless. Nineties is grunge. Nineties is like nah. Oh, you're right. That's an eighties metal band. Yeah. So Loopy about to get stabbed through the chest was totally expecting it. Was like mm-hmm. I knew you would go for the same move, and stepped into it, trapping Grimjo with his hand in his chest. So he knew he was about to do it. And now Grim or Loopy is using all eight of his tentacles to unleash Saros at the trapped Grimjo. And Grimjo's like, yeah, not gonna allow that to happen. Then he summons those stupid ass blue claws that Ichigo just ran right through and used them to break free. At this time, Grimjo began to see Loopy uh, basically repeat the same thing over and over again as he collapsed to the ground. So Loopy like starts saying something and collapses. He's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening here? And Loopy explains that Mary has put a very special poison and that makes your enemy relive the same. So what we saw, what we saw, through, yes. So the same poison that made, uh, you know, zombie Tosh relives moments. He's Loopy says he actually used it in his battle against zombie Rangiku. And so now it's being used on Grimjo. Grimjo's like falling to the ground. He's like, this is not one of Loopy's abilities. What the fuck's happening? He takes here. a knee, guys. Okay, he doesn't fall to the ground. He takes a knee. He <laughs> okay. takes a knee. Whatever you want to save his dignity, Jose. The he coke. takes a knee. There's the grim yeah, okay. already. And, and Loopy's like, this isn't how I wanted it to go, but hey, fuck it. Thanks for making me feel alive again, Grim Joe's. First time in a long time. But then Grim Joe full on stands up, ready to fight again. And Loopy's like, the fuck? Well, it's funny because Loopy walks over and he's like, hey, I'm gonna fucking kill this boy. Yeah. And then he just stands up slow. He's like, shit. Yeah. And even Mayuri watching, he's like, 
huh. And he comments that uh, Grimdor must have some built-up immunity to poison. And this is where we actually find out, which I thought was fucking awesome, is due to Grimjo's battle with Askin, he had actually built up a whole fuck ton of immunity to poison. But, of course, Grimjo has no awareness of that. Yeah, happening. he's, he's just, just like, shit, dude. Still going through his thing. He just thinks he's the shit now. And so Loopy and Grimjo begin to charge up two huge attacks. Loopy putting all eight of his Grand Race Saros together to form one Mega Blast. And Grimjo using his claws to condense his Saros to become even stronger. But just then, quote, that thing appeared between both of them and we see it is none other than Hikone of course and Hikone appears saying that they were sent here by Lord Tokunata to meet Mr. Grimjo and Grimjo asks is Lord Tokunata like the leader of the Soul Reapers or something and then Shinji appears followed quite right behind him he's like no numbskull that'd be Kiraku but uh, you know <laughs> he's up there Lord yeah. Tokunata's up there and Grimjo's like aren't you the guy who got in my way when I was fighting Kurosaki and Shinji's like nah wrong guy like that, that doesn't look like me. me it doesn't sound like something I would do and Grimjo wastes no time and puts one hand up towards Shinji, the other hand towards Loopy, and then uh, towards Loopy and Hikone, and then fires off Saros at everybody. And when the dust settles, we see that Hikone never even moved and is just standing there holding his Zanpakuto, a Zanpakuto that is covered in black and white. Grimjo immediately notices that Hikone's Zanpakuto is just like theirs. It even opened up a Garganta, and now it seems to have eaten the Saro. The sword begins to speak. And says, how could a fellow hall of spiritual pressure amount to this even after breaking their mass? What is Bargon doing? Has he been sealed away like me? I do love that reference because he, I mean, he has no idea what the fuck happened. Well, and they talk a lot about like, you know, you think about your hollow, right? Before Aizen came in and fucked everything up, Bargon was the king for mm -hmm. thousands of years, like the, a long time. So if you were gone when Aizen showed up, you would have no fucking idea. Zero idea about anything that's happening, anything that happened with Bargon. You would totally be like, where's Bargon? Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? Hello? Where's the king? <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, so more, he, there's more context for that later. Oh, uh, cool. Okay, cool, cool. Hikone cool. apologizes, saying that the sword just learned to speak, but he only has mean things to say, but he'll be happy if they <laughs> want to fight Hikone even out of anger. It's totally cool. And then we get the release command, mark their funeral, Iko Mikidomoe. I'm like, that's fucking metal. That's right? fucking badass. Um, and then all of a sudden, a hollow bigger than that of a Menos, bigger than Komumura's Bankai appears. When Grim they made that comparison, I was like, Jesus, yep. fuck, yep. how huge and is this And then Grimjo notes that this Bankai is completely different from when they fought previously. And Candace and Minnie are watching this whole thing from afar, wondering, like, what the fuck is happening? And Minnie asks, why does that Soul Reaper kid on top of it have infusions of his spiritual pressure? Hmm, don't know who that could be. And Miri is watching from afar and says... They took the bait as Miri reveals that actually this whole thing with the full bringers and the fight was all just a bait out Tokunata and radios to Nanana that it's his time to shine and to use one mm -hmm. of his few redeeming qualities to strip the Kunfaku bear. Miri comments that baiting him was so easy. So either something came up that made time of the essence or he sent Hikone knowing it was a trap. This is where we go to now a undisclosed location in the Serite, of course. And we see Tokunata in an area that, that is bitch. the gathering place of all direct data from the visual department, whether that be from the world of living, Serite, or even Weko Mundo, they say. His passageway is being blocked by none other than Soifan and the punishment force. She says it's come to their attention that he's being targeted by assassins, so they'll be taking him under their custody. I have to stop it. I have to stop it because when you said we go to Tokunata, I just heard Jose whisper, I hate that bitch. <laughs> yeah, stop laughing. I'm converting him. Mm -hmm. Your He's brainwash like, is working on the masses. Oh, You're yeah. like Aura. Yep. 
<laughs> He's like Aura. <laughs> I perform miracles, but instead of miracles, I just say it over and over and hope it catches on. Yeah. So Tokinata obviously doesn't want to be taken into custody by Soifan and begins doing his thing to get a ruse out of Soifan. First mentioning her two brothers that died doing errands for the Suniyashiro family. I had no idea that even yes, happened. Yes, but then that doesn't work. And then he finally brings up Yoruichi, saying how she only respects her and maybe he'll make Yoruichi his wife and then she will have to respect him as well. Just as Soifan is about to snap, we hear another voice come out from the corner, and it's Yoruichi herself. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, you know, I too am being targeted, so I'm just going to stay under Soifan's custody as well just to make it fair. And Tokunata thinks how uh, weird it is that the Soi or the Soul Reaper who doesn't use his Amato and the other one who is skilled in martial arts are both here on purpose and states that Kiraku must have told you both about my Zanpakuto's ability. Yoruichi claps back and says, well... She does have a Zanpakuto, technically, so you're wrong. And she's just stronger in fighting and combat. But she, she sues over her sulking sword every day because of it. And so Ifan immediately starts visualizing this and is jealous of her sword. Just like, oh, my God, <laughs> poor sword. Yeah. I love so you. Ifan is jealous of Yoruichi's sword. Let's, and, be, let's, be, let's all be honest. If we were, you know, a magic sword held by one of the coolest characters in the series and then we ne- are never used once... I'd be pissed mm. off every day. Well, I feel like it's interesting to think now because you can kind of take from that a couple of things where maybe like Yoruichi Zanpakuto is not a combat-focused Zanpakuto. It might be know? a keto one or something. Yeah, it might be something that's not quite up her alley, so she doesn't really want to use it, which just opens up what could her Zanpakuto be. It could be something similar to Soy Phones where it's a big, dumb attack, and she's like, I could just punch. A nuke? Yeah, well, she she could just punch you a million times in the time it takes to Maybe she's up. got Sam's Bankai. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she has mustard gas. Hell yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah of course of course well speaking of uh big dumb things uh, just then an explosion happens above and a gigantic hole rips open in the ceiling when a group of people covering their faces with cloth appear as the fight between both forces is about to begin token i was like man i'm so frightened assassins are so oh, terrifying no. he's like i suppose i must also cross the boundaries of social status and help you guys out and then token smiles and reaches a hand to zanpakuto and says offer kuten kyokoku and that's it near the center of the serte. It says the curtains rose on a tragedy that the aristocracy, uh, the aristocracy, is that my pronouncing that right? Aristocracy. 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 Oh, that's aristocracy. totally it. Thank you. The curtains rose on the tragedy that the aristocracy had created. Perhaps it could be said that this was an overture to the further chaos that would ensue. And that is the end of chapter 11. That's so dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It's just like this will go down in history as it's like, all right, settle down, settle down. All right, so I wrote some notes for this one. Uh, all right. Literally, the first word of this chapter is destruction. Let's go, baby. Yep. That's what we looked at last podcast. And is this the Whoa. chapter where they mention Nozomi's sword from the filler? Um, I don't know no, if I think this... it's the next chapter, cha- right? Okay, so that happens next chapter. I have some thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's next chapter. Let's see, fuck that. Okay, and uh, is this where they uh, they talk about? Doesn't Tokinata talk about killing his fucking wife in this chapter? Yeah, he does. Yeah, so he brings up actually multiple times in the back half his wife. Yeah, mm-hmm. multiple times still. It's still fresh on the mind. Yep. So this is for those of you keeping count. This is fuck that bitch Tokinata number seven. He just walks around casually talking about how he killed his wife. Yeah, he's a fucking dick. Fuck Later, him. he talks like he's like, "No, listen, I'm still faithful to my wife. Like, yeah, don't, fuck, don't. no, I'm like, dude. fuck that guy, dude. Oh, 
I hate him. I hate, makes me mad. I hate him. So we're going to get to number eight pretty soon. So let's continue. All right. We're going to start getting to a little bit shorter notes, but we're going to just zoom through. We have so many chapters left. So let's kick it off here. The chapters second. get a little bit smaller, too, in between. They do. They. I think they, they start being at this point. So this is kind of like the big where a lot of shit is still happening. And this is now starting to be about 30 pages of the yeah. chapters, what we're looking at, which is not horrible. Chapter 12, we start on Fullbringers, a little bit of a history and knowledge on Fullbringers. It says Fullbringers are individuals born at the intersection of human and hollow relations, and they possess unique powers due to their parents being attacked by hollows. Unaware of the significance of their powers, Fullbringers can manipulate any object they feel attached to, potentially altering aspects of reality itself, which we see like Tokenata and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. This power, however, comes with risks. Those who misuse it might self-destruct, while others try to hide from the world due to their instability, which is something that Genjo mentioned to Chad and Orihime and why they formed execution to help others get through this ceremony. Ora Michibane, a second-generation fullbringer, whose father was a fullbringer and mother was a normal human. Her birth was marked by tragedy. Her mother was fatally wounded by a hollow, possibly attracted by the fullbringer blood. Oro's father, fatally wounded by, or Oro's father, tormented by guilt and fear of being rejected by the world, confines Ora. You know, a classic father way to protect her from the outside world and hollows. Lock but her up. he raises her in isolation, yep. teaching her only the basic needs for survival and the use of her full brain. I believe in like a water tank is what they say. Like in literally in like a it's fucking, like the like the water heater room or yes. something. But it's crazy because all he focused on was like physics and full brain. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. well, all right. Imagine how lopsided you would come out as a human being. Like, <laughs> you know, all full brain stuff, physics. Like you're just smart as fuck. You'd and then a quirky uh, like university professor yes no no social skills yep that is the most unrealistic thing about the entire bleach series is that aura is like kind of normal coming out of that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so it continues that as aura grows up her father actually is the one that learns of kugo genjo Mm -hmm. a deputy soul reaper who claims he can absorb their hollow powers potentially freeing them from their quote curse Aura's father sees it as a chance for a normal life for Aura, though she questions the need to be normal and is like confused about why she would want to erase her powers. The story then takes a turn when, of course, Aura's father goes to meet Genjo and never fucking returns. It's because he Which, went to go get milk, dude. Yeah. yeah. Or is he part of the original people that died? That Genjo mm-hmm. was mentioning his first squad. And Aura is basically left locked in this room or a tank just alone and starving. And she eventually uses her full bring powers to escape, confi- uh, to escape confinement. Once she escapes, she tries a piece of food that she finds, like, out in the kitchen. And they say that this could have been her attachment. Like, the first thing she sees outside of this tank that she's been living in is a piece of her father's food, which she would bring. He would bring to her. So they said, had it not been for her body rejecting it, it would have been her tether to a normal full bringer life. Aura then faints right outside of the house and is rescued by a passerby and then subsequently adopted by the Michibane family, ending her isolation. But she remains largely forgotten by the world. We jump forward now. Aura is just full on vibing, going about her times. It says that she's occasionally attacked by hollows and that's when a mysterious man comes up to her asking about her abilities. And wouldn't you know, it's that bitch Tokunata. And he does his thing, basically trying to piss her off, like trying to goad her into doing God, something. I fucking hated him and at this point. He's like, you know, my families were the ones who ordered your parents to be killed. Mm-hmm. And Aura like, obviously gets a little bit upset here, and he asks, and she just asks, "Why?" 
And Tokunaga responds that something uh, was tethered to you that belongs to us. Tokunaga says, if you want to fight, I will, but I'll have to defend myself. Or it's just like, nah, no thanks. And then Tokunaga is then like rever Uno reverse card, amused by her lack of reaction. And starts to reminisce about getting the opposite reaction from a sightless man back in the day. Fucking and Tokunaga asshole. offers to make her his pawn, saying if she has no attachment to the world, why not make it anew? Then maybe you can find some attachment. Or it doesn't agree, but then asks what it is that is inside of her. He says it's an organ of something called the Rayo, the thing which we call Saketsu. He also mentioned that though the heart and left arm ended up returning to the Quincy's. Yep. So that is the end of chapter 12. Just a little bit of backstory on Fullbringer with uh, Aura and how she met Tokunata. Just her whole shitty life. Right. So for those keeping count, that's fuck that bitch Tokunata 8 <laughs> for the entire Aura conversation. I just love that like we have seen this Tokunata person just be a fucking prick since day one just like goading people saying the worst things possible and he gets great enjoyment out of it great fucking enjoyment out of it. he gets a hard on from and this, then dude. he He's also gets dick. great enjoyment out of the opposite like yeah. just a complete non-reaction just like oh why He's like, this is so funny. This He's is like, so funny. Interesting. Yeah. You will be my friend. You can't win. Like, I don't know what response you give where you win. If he mm. was not born in civil society, he would be browsing internet forums. Just fucking. <laughs> he would, Just a troll. He would be the guy with a username like Hail Satan 666 going on to ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> totally. Totally. And uh, I had to, to, to look it up. The, the chain. Senketsu, that means that's the binding chain. Yeah. I, I ended up doing the exact okay. same thing. I was like, I don't remember what this is. This could possibly be an organ. I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. So I don't remember the context, but I wrote down from last chapter that's not some ninja's pet frog. So apparently they just dropped the Naruto reference in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I, Interesting. Oh, the, my last bit of thing or notes for this one was I still don't like Yukio at the end of this. No. Yeah, I think like with this kind of thing, I think they are obviously setting up Yukio to be this kind of heel between Genjo and everybody. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like from what we've seen of Yukio, he's generally been a good guy. Like, he, I think even when the fight was going on, he wasn't particularly looking to fuck anybody up. I think Yukio and he's he's a smart guy. Yeah. Yukio's a smart guy. He's going to have some logic to why he's doing what he's doing. And I think we'll find out. I, I always kind of picture Yukio as like a Uryu character. Yeah. You know? But uh, we, I also don't really like Uryu. <laughs> Was Fair. this the same chapter where we got the rest of the fight with Aura? No. Uh, no. That, that's, oh, that's the next that's one. Oh, okay. Oops. More chapters to come. God, fucking... That chapter goes hard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we continue on? You got anything else that I, uh, we need to touch on? It was pretty short. Nah. I, I'm good. I didn't write any notes for that after. All right. Chapter 13. Now, we're going back in time here. This is in between the first and second invasion. And Hisagi is training his develop his Bankai as a countermeasure, which we saw briefly where they're talking about, even in the anime. And Kensei's harsh training method basically involves a holified Mashiro attacking Hisagi, trying to push him to the brink of death to awaken his Bankai. They say that this method mirrors the risky training previously undergone, undergone by Ichigo Kurosaki, um, aiming to rapidly enhance Hisagi's power. Hisagi continues to be a uh, big old bitch about Tozen, and Kensei basically uses that to try to provoke him. You know, kind of be like, well, if you know, if you believe so harshly in his uh, trainings, like, show me. Like, dude, do your thing. And Hisagi, as we already know, is conflicted about his Zanpakuto, Kazushini, and he fears that it might taint him due to its dark nature. 
Despite being able to use Shikai, Hisagi says he can't actually really communicate with Kazushine, which often manifests as a dark and menacing presence in his mind. And says he, he only, like, the Zombakdo only says things like, offer me your life and give me blood. Yeah. Kensei metal. then dons his hollow mask and is now also going to be attacking Hisagi, tag team style. And Kensei mentions that when training for Bankai under such intense methods to rapidly achieve it, you run the risk of the wielder being unable to control the power and it popping off. He mentions how horrible it would be for something like Mayuri's Bankai to spray poison everywhere. And he comments how he hopes it isn't like Hiroko's Bankai. Wonder what that could hmm. be. I wonder. We go to present Karakura Town. Just for the record, Hiroko is Shinji. Just in case yeah, there's any they do mention, they hard call by Hiroko people the whole time. It, it names. Hiroko. I'm so upset that they did that. Because we already have Hisagi, <laughs> who we call Shuhei. Oh, yeah. And also there's Shunsui and Shuhei. Now that's Hisagi and Hiroko. I'm so mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> we go now to present Karakuri Town. Hiori arrives carrying the two Soul Reapers to the Urahara shop. And that's when we see Asagi and Urahara in the sky fighting something that looks like an Eastern dragon, they describe it as. Asagi is trying to keep track of where Aura went, but is unable to find her. And he's worried about the side effects of the other humans potentially seeing Aura in the sky and the explosions from their fight. Urahara comments that given Aura's abilities, someone like Hitsugai would probably be more suited for this fight. But for the time being, they'll just use Kido and hope for the best. Urahara then uses the full chant for Hado number 91. Sinjuku, oh, I'm going to try this to my best. Sinjuku Tentai Hio, I don't fucking know. To amplify its strength, <laughs> which Hisagi interprets as Urahara testing something. The Kido unleashed by Urahara is powerful enough to rival a Grand Ray Sero as it obliterates the swarm of red black dragons. Despite the show of force, Urahara remains calm and collected, noting that Urahara Michibani can subjugate the Reishi of Kido. Urahara now emerges unscathed and is impressed with Urahara with her ability or impresses Urahara with her ability to ma- manipulate nitrogen and create barriers. Even in the Reishi Scar's living world. However, Hisagi notes that Aura seems exhausted, indicating that she might not be able to maintain her full bring to its full extent. Urahara and Aura begin to engage in like a uh, a classic kind of like smart person cryptic conversation with Asagi just being like, the fuck are they yeah, talking about? I'd just be sitting there going like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was exactly like Asagi's okay. kind of like, should I be listening to this? Like what's going on? So Urahara is joking about the uh, Hoyoku and its potential use by Ichigo in the thousand year blood war against Yuha Baha. And Aura is like, oh, yeah, like, did you actually? And Urahara's like, nah, I'm just fucking around. Like, I, I, I like his uh, if I could mass produce it. Sure. Yeah. And he's like, nah, I lied about that. I didn't give a fucking Hoyoku to Ichigo. And then he he starts hinting at a deeper, more complex secret. And Hasagi's just confused. Just so confused what is going on here. And Urahara's like, fuck it. I'll openly discuss these matters in front of Hasagi. No, you don't give a fuck. It's like he already knows about the Sunyushiro mm-hmm. family. And he says that he would probably figure it out eventually anyways. Urahara acknowledges the hesitations about revealing these secrets and compares it to Aizen's ambition to forcibly change the world and what the world should actually be like. And then he suggests that Hasagi, as a journalist and Soul Reaper, should explore these questions a bit further on his own as well. Just, you know, really dig deep into it. Before the conversation can continue, Urahara all of a sudden disappears. And it's revealed that Yukio orchestrated this whole scenario targeting just Urahara. Isagi, shocked and frustrated by his inability to basically do shit, now confronts Yukio and Aura. And despite his efforts, Aura vanishes with Urahara's capture, and Yukio gives them both a rating. Aura gets a double S, which is fantastic. You know, Devil May Cry rating. Isagi gets about a B. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, that, that's the end of chapter right. 13. So I, I cannot ex- explain how much I was rocking back and forth going, uh, uh, book three. Book three. You talk about stuff they're gonna mention <laughs> in book three. I really like the setup and they mentioned later um 
a lot of the comparisons of how similar this um, goal is seeming to Eisen's goal. And they kind of compare and contrast the two of them, which they talk about later some more. I really like that where they're kind of like, oh, well, this is awfully similar to Einstein's plan. It's like, but you know, we kind of want to do this. Oh, well, I don't know if I could support that. And Hisagi's like, the fuck are you guys talking yeah, about? He's like, just please. There just like, someone give me a <laughs> hint. Like, I, I, I think Hisagi at one point, he's like, I don't even know if I really want to know what they're talking about. He's just like so worried that this like is above his pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. I love the framing device of like, they're talking about shit. The audience doesn't get to know. How do we make that not obnoxious? We're viewing it through Shuhei's eyes, and he also doesn't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yeah. And I think Urahar turns to him, and he's like, do you want to know this stuff? Because it could fuck up your worldview. And it's like, just like, uh, <laughs> just like, I don't think I have a choice. I, I just picture the dot, dot, dot mm -hmm. over his head. Yeah. It's like you're talking to somebody about something, and all of a sudden they go, hey, we should not talk about this ever. <laughs> yeah he's like yeah you could listen but don't ever don't repeat ever this repeat this could get man. you killed um also worth noting that there's like a you know i mentioned urhar doing his full chant um he does some cool ass keto shit here yeah. with like the dragons with the coming dragons, down from the sky and protects and, like, him and shuei with three yeah, of them or something it's crazy so skimmed over it but the keto battle that is happening with like aura basically they say they think aura like disappeared into one of the other dragons that is fighting mm -hmm. them and they're trying to figure out and then Urahar just full on summons his own fleet of dragons to attack it was crazy Auto number 99 so now you guys can get the context as to why in Bleach Brave Souls uh, Kisuke has that one soul bomb where he's just shooting red dragons at people <laughs> yeah. yeah I thought it was part of Benahemia the whole time I mean technically Benahemia yeah. is hey. there yeah fucking cool shit from Urahar Urahar just continues to be the fucking best and he has Urahara, even though, you know, he disappears, where could he have gone? He has a great fucking scene where he's mentioned later that I love. Oh, I do. Love, love. I wrote notes about yeah. that. It cracked me up. <laughs> I, yeah. I do like that at one point, I think they go, so what are the normal humans that are still in here seeing, by the way? This woman's yeah. just flying. There's like large explosions. Well, that was when Hisagi was like, I'm genuinely concerned that the regular humans mm -hmm. are going to see us floating because they're just in regular, yeah. like, they're going to see Aura up here fucking around. They're going to be like, what the fuck? There's just a human dancing around. Mm -hmm. Like, normally when they do that, they're like, all right, uh, Soul Society, we need you to set up a barrier to keep people away. Soul Society can't do shit right now. Yep. yep. And they couldn't even give the Gintai Kaijo, which is also a fucking cool scene where uh, fucking Aura's like, yeah, I just forcibly removed it. It's like, best of luck. Yeah, because I think Shuhei's like, ow, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that there's totally cool, though. there's not even a question. You know, yeah, he could do that. I have no <laughs> Wasn't he one of the ones who developed it? I don't remember. I'm just going to assume it to be true. That's just me. I yeah, was just but, thinking that. And then to go further back at the beginning of the chapter when um, they're training Hisagi to do his Bankai, Kensei seems like he full-on does not like Tozen's training. He's just like, that fucking is a down. He says it's a, so like a soft way of training somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, for I uh, catch everybody up, they talk about this a little bit later, but Tozen's training was like, you should have fear. Like, mm -hmm. you should, if you don't have fear, you're an idiot. Like, you should have with every battle you're going into, you should be scared to shit. But what matters is if you can walk alongside that fear and still move forward. And Kansai's like, that's dumb as hell. Like, that is like. I do love Kansai being like, fuck that, dude. I don't fear anything. Yeah. And his Sagi's like, no, like, that's what Tozen taught me. How dare you speak about that? And Kansai's like, dude, just master your bonka already, please, for the love of God. Like, just fucks. He's just con mm -hmm. continuing to fuck him up. The and that time. scene was in between the first and second invasion for the mm -hmm. Azure Blood War. So that was in preparation of the second invasion where fucking stupid ass Shuei gets taken over by um, Pepe. Pepe. 
I mean, how well did Kinsey do? <laughs> uh, he repeatedly punched the shit out of Pepe. True. True. He got his get back. As a zombie. Under control of Yeah, me. true. So I could say, I count that as my Yuri's dub. <laughs> uh, Anything we missed that you want to touch on? Uh, blah, 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 something, something, skeleton. Nope. All I wrote was the dragon versus dragon fight in the sky was rad as fuck. Yeah, super fucking cool. That would be probably one of the coolest parts if they animated that. It would be oh, so sick. God, it would be so good. All right, so fuck that. On to the next chapter, which is good, too. All right. Chapter 14. I think there's 18 chapters, so we yep. still have a bunch of chapters to go. The It starts off describing the size of the hollows often play a significant role in the battles of Soul Reapers. Large hollows, like the Minos Grandes, this is going back to fucking day one. Damn, day. dude. They possess an advantage due to their sheer side, make, size, making them formidable opponents. However, Soul Reapers who have attained a high level of Zonkin Soki, a combination of four combat elements, can overcome these gigantic creatures. Furthermore, some Zonpaktos have abilities that are specifically suited to fighting large hollows. An example of this size and power dynamic, dynamic is Gerard Valkyrie, a member of of Yuha Baha's elite guard, whose immense size and strength make him a challenging opponent even for Soul Reapers with Bonkai. As Hollows evolve from Gilean to Ajukas and finally to Vassalordes, their size decreases with their spiritual pressure, becoming denser and more potent. This evolution marks a shift where smaller size becomes indicative of greater power. So, just setting up once again the whole size mechanic, and obviously with Hikone's uh, Zombaka that he's using, mm -hmm. it's a bit of the reverse of what we're used to. Where it's like normally the smaller ones, which we see with the Espada and the people that have had their you know altered by Aizen, they're they're smaller. Yeah, they, they're human. They compressed all yes. of the spiritual pressure into a human body. The humanness, but now Ikimikodome is out here just fucking free balling, just huge as hell, bigger than Amanus Grande, bigger than fucking Komamura. Uh, yeah, Komamura's Bankai, all of them. And he's still the strongest. Mm -hmm. I do like how he was drawn too. I think it was in yeah. the earlier chapters yeah. where we see him and mm -hmm. he's drawn and you just see like trees and shit. I'm like, God fucking mm -hmm. damn, that thing is huge. So speaking of, we go back to the Rukongai where obviously the scene is taking place. And it says that even though he has a size surpassing that of a Menace Grande, it has the dense spiritual pressure characteristics of a Vassal Lorde, and its appearance causes terror and confusion as it wields immense power and can even spawn miniature versions of itself. Shinji, witnessing this, is like, man, hope Hikone can control that. That's kind of worrisome. <laughs> and Hikone is like, yeah, don't worry, man. I, I got it. And he's like, we could even combine if necessary. When he and, said that, I was like, yeah, what the fuck? Super Saiyan <laughs> yeah. level? And Shinji is like, what is it? A fucking mecha? Like, yeah. what are we talking about here? And Shinji th thinks of this new policy that has been created after the war to avoid killing a spotter class Ronkar unless absolutely necessary because the delicate balance of souls is already fucked up by the Quincy's actions. So they already have to worry about maintaining this balance. And now Ikimokodomwe, a fucking big dick Lorde level, he's like, Can I kill that? Can I even do anything against that? Like, <laughs> is that gonna break the policy? Shinji speaking of Shinji throughout this whole book has made me crack the fuck up over yeah, and over. He's been so hilarious. Good. I love him. He's a great character for just like, this is weird. I should not be here. This is yeah. really weird. I love the whole uh, when he chases after he Kone goes like I don't know, man. This is looks like it's gonna be some gnarly <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, you can you can feel the man. I should have just not done any of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so speaking of Vassalordes and Espada, Halibull and Nell both appear and they see the ongoing battle and like, oh, we knew fucking Grimdo was coming down of here. Course, of course, this guy's here. And 
Hallible is surprised to see Loopy. He's like, oh, what the fuck? And they're trying to decide if Hikone potentially achieved Bankai or Resurrection to make his Zanpakuto so different from what they previously saw. And this is when Ikimi Iko Mikidomoe speaks to both of them, assuming that they must be Bargon's mistresses. But <laughs> Nell is like, dog, Bargon's long gone, my boy. He's been and, dead. Yeah, Iko Mikidomoe hears this and like lets out a whale. He's like, what the fuck? And starts spawning tornadoes all around the Rukonga, causing destruction. The scene, then we go to the Serite, where a battle ensues in a concealed quarter, which is obviously with Soifan, Tokunata, and everybody, and they're fighting against black-clad assassins. They are guarding Tokunata Sunishira, of course, and he's wielding his Zanpakuto, which is now capable of reflecting attacks. And Soifan is wary of Tokunata's intentions and his weapon's true capabilities, bringing up Hiraku and him saying that he suspects the Sunishira families. Zanpakuto has an ability similar to something like Muramasa, and to take control of others on Pacto, which anybody, anybody yeah, from the filler. Yeah. Uh huh. We, we love to see that. We have which, had two filler name drops so far. Yum. Insane. So I, I, it's, I knew this was made Canon already because it's just the sword that's made Canon. None of the backstory with the Biakia family has been made Canon mm-hmm. at all. Correct. Yeah. It's uh they, it exists, but not the context of the fillers. There you go. Like a Nozomi no sword exists, but probably not her. And then, meanwhile, we go over to the uh, Kutsuwa town, which is just where the 11th Company barracks is at. And we see Yumichika oh. and Ikaku, of course, just hanging out. I love the way it's time. described, though. Yeah, where it's like it's just filled with scum, scum. and like nobody like, wants to be there. It's and, like dive bar esque. And, and everything. everybody's walking around like on edge because they can feel Kimpachi spiritual pressure all the time. It's just they talk about what a horrible fucking place it is. And they show that Captain, of course, Kimpachi's Rocky, is on high alert and he's wearing his captain's coat, which they know is like not something that he normally Especially does. Especially past 12 yes. or something like yes. that. Yes. And they say that they think him wearing his captain's cloak is a small tribute that he pays the head captain Yamamoto for taking him in. Like, it's just like an honor thing. Yeah. You know? It won't be taken care of, but you know. Yes. So we go back to the Rukonga now. We see that you know, Kipachi's been alerted to be on alert. And we see Candace and Minnie, of course. Now, Lil Toto and Giselle are joining the fray as I well. I love that, though, when mm-hmm. she comes in. And Lil Toto just continues to be fucking awesome. Yeah. And immediately is like, Mary, I know you can hear me. Like, come on, dog. And I, Mary starts speaking from Candace's hat. Is like, I love how Lil Toad goes, hmm, where would I hide you? Would it be in your chest? <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yeah. So good. And they start bargaining. Like, hey, we could help you out here. We really could with Ikimokudoma and Hakone. But we would really like you to free Minnie and uh, Candace here. And he's like, well, mm, eh. and he's like, okay, I'll make you a deal. Give me information on Ikimikodoma and Hikone, and I will promote you guys to mercenaries. <laughs> I love that. He just that continues to crack me up. Is great. I, I describe this as uh, Lily just fucking with Mayuri so hard that he gets too annoyed and just decides you can just leave. Get me data. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. he, he says it multiple times when they're having this negotiation. He's like, listen, I finished my investigation on you, Quincy's, years ago. Years ago. I don't care. And she's like, well, we could help you. We could help you. And he's like, do you not understand what I'm saying? Well, because she's Wait. like, I don't trust that motherfucker. He's going to do something to know us. Mm-hmm. Would you trust him? No. Oh, he'll no. fucking never. Lil Toto so they, became the best character. She's awesome in this yeah. novel. So good. And so Lil Toto and all the other, you know, Stern Raiders, they begin to uh, make a strategy to neutralize the threat that is Ikimikodomoe. And they're also trying to navigate the situation of Soul Reapers, Arankars, 
Fullbringers, and of course the Stern Raiders are all here as well. And Lil Toto starts to ask Ikone a question about a strange spiritual pressure that she's been sensing coming from inside of him. And this leads to Hakone being like, um, basically Lil Toto's like, hey, why do you why do I sense Grimmy? Do you know Grimmy? And Hikone's like, oh yeah, I know Mr. Grimmy. He's like, and he says, Tokonata said Mr. Grimmy is just one of the ingredients used to create me. I was like, what the fuck? Yep. I'm like, so my answer I finally got my answer. Yep, and that's the end of chapter 14. Yep. I remember it left off on that, and I was like, all right then. So Grimmy's brain is somehow tossed in there. Mm-hmm. Not infamously is I think one of our best performing shorts on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Because I was losing my mind. I was like, what happens to the fucking brain? Because Sam asked, so what happened? Because Grimmy's a brain, what happened? I'm like, well, maybe that bitch has his brain. He goes, no way. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, you know, and it's interesting, a little bit of a spoiler for later. I think they talk about it literally next chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like Grimmy is alive inside of him. It's just quite literally like they use his brain as this like pass through yeah, to like a control all of this stuff. Yeah. So it's not like Grimmy is alive. It's not like, as far as I know, it's not like he has any of Grimmy's powers. It is just a brain that is already programmed to take in like Stern Ritter and all this energy yeah. into it. So Token is like, that's fucking perfect. That's like, 10 out of 10. Perfect. I could totally use that as a circuit board, basically. Yep. I would love to imagine like, a meteor is coming down and people are freaking out and Tokinata's there with his with his binoculars like I need that. I need that <laughs> wait, child. wait, the child turned into a brain? I want it. I need yeah, it. It's like this is perfect opportunity. So he just waited till uh Kenpachi got electrocuted and everything, mm-hmm. and then he just snuck up by, took it, and ran away. Okay, so I need everybody to picture Ichigo is coming down. He is fighting the Bamis and all the time, like Wiley Coyote. Tokinot is yeah. on tiptoes. He's grabbing <laughs> the brain and piecing the fuck out. So good. This chapter had a lot of really good conversations between like Halibol, Nell, uh, Ikimikodomoe, Mayuri, the Stern Raiders. All really fucking good. I, really, really good. Like I said, I, I love the interactions between uh, the Aran cars, especially like Grimdor just constantly talking mm-hmm. back. And Nell being like, oh my fucking God, it's this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's his handler. Mm-hmm. She, she no, that's that's too nice. She's his babysitter. Yeah, she's the babysitter. I mean, she could be my babysitter. Well, because you remember when they were originally going here, it was Hallibull's basically going to drop off Nell to go take care of yeah. Gringo, and she's going to go to Shunsui. But then she shows up, and she's like, what the fuck? She's like, why are you always in well, something? Imagine they open the Garganta, and they're because the Garganta normally, typically, opens at the sky, right? Yep. That's the time we've seen it always. And you just have Ikemokudonwe eye level with you. It's like, okay. And you're like, what the fuck did I just walk into? <laughs> like, is this the Soul Society? Did I go to the wrong place? Like, my Hold bad. On. I'll be right back. Yeah. Let me reopen that Garganta But real they quick. fucking followed him right away, and they're like, they're just opened right to his spiritual pressure. They're like, shit. Yep. Imagine being Holly Bell, right? You don't want to be the one that rules over Wakamundo. You are forced to. The blood war happens. You're taken captive. After that, you're ha- you're you're fighting this like hidden war with the Quincy's this whole time. Some weird kid shows up. You're like, I got it. now. Grim Jow's gone. The first thing that happens when you leave in the Gargante is, what the fuck is that? And then <laughs> you also get judged by Candace. Yeah. Look at their clothes. It's so skin tight. Yeah, that was dude. That cracked me up too. So I don't want to go there, but I have to ask. When they asked if a uh, Ikomiku Domoi asked, so are they your, uh, you Baragon's concubines? I was like, did Baragon have a penis? <laughs> because he was a skeleton. What's the point? True. True. Yeah, until he be, 
Hmm. I mean, you could have pleasure for pleasure, I guess. Well, here's the question that I, I lead to not related to this novel. Baragon, as we know him, okay? So, obviously, Zyla Paro ended up in hell. Would Baragon have gone to hell? Honestly, I don't. Uh, the, book three. I don't know. <laughs> I can't give you a hypothesis until we get to some stuff they talk about later. Okay. Damn. Okay. All okay. Right, okay. Right, okay. Right, well, I mean, right. Kubo does mention that hollows can reproduce sexually. Can. Well, yeah, and... F- and just from what we've seen of Bargon, I don't think from what we've seen, he is a bad guy. He was just on the wrong side. He was just under Aizen. Unless there's something that happens later. I did not see him ever like torturing his underlings or anything like that. You know, I didn't see him outwardly doing something evil, but who knows? Well, True. Remember, you only go to hell for sins committed as a human. Yeah, but that's why I'm wondering because then also like it could be the personality maintaining like the strongest one could be that personality that you had from when you were alive, like Xylopar or something like that. So and then going based off the whole hell thing, Okura would never be in hell because he was created as a he was born a hollow. Yep. And want this stuff. I it's we'll, we'll get to it in book three. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else to touch on for chapter fourteen? No, outside of the fun, nah. the funny penis, and that apparently Muramasa is canon. Yep. Yeah, I do love how well everything is descript- uh, described. Oh, yeah. Also, yep. in my head, I'm seeing this done in the anime form. Yeah, I will say I did get a little tired of when we would start a new chapter and we would go back to like a scene that's happened. They would give you a recap. I was like, yeah. dude, I'm reading the book actively. It's not like it's a <laughs> fucking anime episode. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. They're designed. So you read one chapter per sitting. Yeah. I think they really are. Cause sometimes they'll go like back to the fight that's happening because of this thing. And then what's happening in the quarters where if you remember the discussion happens, like I got it. Thank you. I got it. Thank <laughs> you. If you'll allow me to quote the super best friends episode of uh, South park. Meanwhile, at the exact same location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Chapter 15. We kick it off in the aristocrat quarters, which we have, I think, one of the best conversations. I just loved so much. I can, I, can, I, can I say my, my note on this before? I just Go for re- it. Go for it. Sinosuke will shit talk fucking anybody. <laughs> I, I know. I dislike him. Mm-hmm. I like that Sinosuke's route of shit talking and almost like he is almost the reverse of Tokunata, where Tokunata will tell you no, and they've mentioned you can see it in his face that he's lying. That yeah, he's like he's, he's enjoying just smirking. This. Sinosuke will just straight up like he'll be like, Hey Sinosuke, what do you know about this? Oh yeah, I know about that. He did he did this. Like full on, what are you gonna do about it? Like I totally know that. What are you gonna do? He's such and he just like doesn't give a shit. He's such a motherfucker. I like him a lot. Yeah, so Sonosuke and Shunsui are having a conversation, and I quoted it as a Tokunata-like conversation, except Sonosuke is just telling Kiraku whatever the fuck he wants to know. And Sonosuke is obviously he manages an aristocrat pharmaceutical clinic, so he has a little bit of power within mm-hmm. the aristocrat because he even Kiraku is like, I know there's multiple you know people here that have had their lives greatly extended by you, and uh, you know they would be quite the uproar if I did anything to you. So they're discussing even things like. Sonosuke brings up uh, Retsu Unohana's death. Yep. And Kiraku's like, surely you don't got a grudge against me. And he's like, no, I don't have a grudge against you. Even if I did, uh, Unohana would have fucking done it anyway. So I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. And it shifts to the discussion of Hikone. And Shunsui's like, hey, what do you know about this child Hikone that's been seen running around here? And Sonosuke's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I healed him. I, I know about Hikone. He's like, Hikone is a blend of Soul Reaper, Human, Quincy, so all souls of these people, and fragments of the Reo, Soul King. 
And he says that when he first met Hikone, it was damaged so badly upon arrival that Sonosuke himself was barely able to keep it alive. They were able to keep it alive by mixing all the different blends, and it was about to not work at all. They couldn't get it to fucking go until the final piece they needed was the brain of Grimmy. And now we go back in time. We're going to cut away from this. I just picture him being, uh, what is it, the Powerpuff Girl's dad, just mixing yeah, in all of these things. Yeah, basically what yep. it was. And then until he broke the case that hold Grimmy's brain and yep. just started pouring in. It's like, Let's yep. go. Uh, now we have it? Hikone. F- element X or whatever. And they talk about that when Hikone first came, he was, like, missing anything above the neck. Yeah, like, he full-on like, didn't have anything. Mannequin? He could barely walk. It was all fucked up. And uh, Tokunai was like, hey, fix this. And Sonosuke was like, what? <laughs> he's like, how? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and he's like, I don't care. Fix it. So preemptively, I will just say this conversation we're about to get to is fuck that bitch Tokinata number nine. <laughs> so we go to the Von der Reich base with Grimmy being released from his cell. Yeah. And it says the only person who wanted to interact with him was Lil Tato. I like this part. And exactly. Grimmy is like doing his thing like, hey, why are you coming over? And she's like, make me some donuts. And she's like, <laughs> why would I ever make you donuts? And then he makes her donuts, of course. And she immediately is like, they're too sweet. And Grimmy's like, okay, the fuck? How am so I supposed- sorry. He's like, how am I supposed to know what kind of donuts you would like? And she's like, oh, well... You know, maybe you could learn that later and figure that out. And Grammy is like, hey, I made you donuts. What are you going to give me? Like, come on. And she was like, what could you possibly want? You can make anything you want. He's like, it's just formal. You know, you, yeah, like, I did it's, something It's the kind you. thing to do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to do something for me. And so little Toto says, if there's ever someone strong enough that he can't defeat, she'll be sure to attack them while they're down and then run away if they're too strong. I do love his comeback, though. Dude. Okay. Before we even get there. How cute that that is what happened That's to Dazzy yeah. Dog. And like before, it looks like they're just jumping Kenpachi. And now it's like, oh, it was a promise that she made with Grimmy. Yep. And like she she held true on that promise. So good. This is the conversation that took Lil Toto from literally who the fuck is his character to, yeah, this is one of the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. And she even mentions to him, like, you know, she's she's like, hey, what are you going to do after the war? And he's like, oh, I don't fucking know. Like, I kind of want to learn how to do cooking. And she was I, like, I hey, that was cool. when you cook, like, cook stuff that you're not going to imagine what it tastes like, that you can't guess the taste, because then you can figure it out and you'll know. Like, you'll know, because then if you imagine it, it's going to fuck up the taste. Exactly. Because he even mentions when she said it was too sweet that, oh, should I just imagine that you like sweet things? Like, you know, because he could just change it. He mm-hmm. do whatever he wants. So the, I really like this weird little relationship where, like, She's an asshole. He's an asshole. But Let's she's like, assholes hey, together. like, go cook something like the like something you have no idea what it's going to taste like. So now your imagination can affect it. Hell and he, yeah. he's like, that sounds like a good idea. So it sounds good. Take him to America. He'll yeah. experience everything. True. <laughs> true. Like, think of the balls on little Toto. She got Grimmy is a man who summoned a meteor that had even Jugram freaking his fucking shit. And she just goes, feed me. Then she calls him. a <laughs> She calls him a monster. She goes, she goes, hey, well, he didn't like that, so she calls him scum yeah, afterwards. Mm. Yeah, she doesn't go sorry. She goes, okay, I'll just call you scum. By the way, these are too sweet. <laughs> yeah, love the whole discussion between Lil Toto and Grimmy here. It's crazy how they're kind of going back, and it's like they this the author is adding character to a lot of the stern readers we didn't get yeah. in the actual manga that's your blood war. And it's like, man, 
I kind of wish Grammy got to cook. That's why I was saying, I was like, please add this, please add this to the anime, and they didn't. So now we cut back to the Serite where we see Tokunata. He is uh, basically looking over the aftermath of the struggle that has happened, and he's at the entrance to the visual department storage, and it's now just a total pile of rubble. But we see Yodoichi. Mm-hmm. Yodoichi is now flexing her formidable spiritual pressure, and she confronts Tokunata while she's standing on top of the wreckage, and she basically displays these items that she found. She's like, hey, what is this? And is a human fetus fused with a piece of hollow and she's questioning that this is awfully off the you know the beat path for the visual department like why is this here and tokenata totally unflustered just starts having a conversation with yodoichi um and he's like i suppose this means that is a no to my proposal with the soul king and the shiba family <laughs> yeah. and yodoichi is like well listen I don't have a stake in what's going on here, but I was not down for eyes in doing it. So I don't know why you think I would be okay for someone even scummier than him. And Tokunata's like, oh, I'm super, I'm honored that I'm you compare me to evil like uh, Aizen. And she's like, no, I didn't call you evil. I said scummy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay. And she also mentions that, like, she's not so sure that Kukaku would even be down to come for the Shiba family status. And she says that she always pictured herself as, like, a separate entity from the royal family. Like, yeah. she doesn't she doesn't vibe with any of that shit. Soifan, which is also similar to fucking Asagi, is witnessing their whole exchange. And she is confused and troubled. She's like, I should not <laughs> Just be hearing there this. Listening to it. She even, like, goes so far as I'm going to take my mind off of it. I can't hear any of this stuff. It's going to taint me. And she can't believe the stuff that Yodoichi is saying about the Shion family and the Kuchiki family. Yodoichi and Tokunata just continue totally debating right in front of Soifan, their family legacies and the, the royalty that's going to happen, the moral rot that is within the noble, fa- the noble clans. And Tokunata says it's about time that he uses his trump card. And Yodoichi quickly notices this happening. He starts, like, pumping this pendant that he has and tries to stop him, but he vanishes into smoke. And Yodoichi says that it is possible that he is using a soul ticket, similar to the oh, one that um, Kiraku gave yeah. to all of his friends and stuff. So he just straight up disappeared to a different realm. Yep. So we go back to the Rakongai now, and the battle involving Hikone and Ikimokodomoe is still going on. And Hikone gets an order from Tokinata, of course, to withdraw from the fight, but not before he bids farewell to Mr. Genjo. He says that I actually heard that Genjo is a potential Soul King candidate as well, and he will not lose to him. Hikone then opens up a garganta, and everyone attempts to jump in and stop him, basically shooting Saros at him. Hikone then releases a blue-white glitter in front of him, and it is a gigantic Saro that is like uncompressed and shoots towards everybody. Just then, the uh, Saro emanating from Hikone's hand. They say it's not like skillful like a Grand Ray Saro, but it's literally just raw strength that is generated by releasing dense spiritual pressure. And the blast engulfs and neutralizes all of the attacks that have been launched at Hikone thus far. So this attack gets launched at everybody, and it's none other but Nell and Lil Toto that jump in front of everybody. Lil Toto consuming the Saro, and then, of course, Nell using Saro Double. And, you know, Lil Toto used the, the Clotten. To turn the powerful attack into energy, and then Nell shoots the Sarah back, retaliating with her own Sarah. But by the time the light fades, Hikone has already disappeared through the Garganta, a portal like entity. And the two of them bond over how they have I, similar powers. I forgot that she could swallow Sarah. Yeah, like I did that. as well. I was just like, wow, I totally forgot about this. Totally forgot about that power. I was like, because in my mind, that consuming power, I'm like, that's like a baby nail sort of thing. Yeah, you know? right. It's like, well, whatever. I also remember, I'm like, well, there's probably a part of the internet that probably loves the fact that Nell Spick has a little bit of a healing factor. Okay, and then we're going with this conversation. Is it? So I was I was talking about this book with some of the guys at work, and they're like, you know, if I hurt myself, I'd let her spit on me. 
that, that's where I was going with okay, that. All right, all right. So I was like, I forgot all of this stuff could happen. I love that Nell and Little Toto like afterwards, like, oh, you got a similar ability. We're like, fighting. oh, interesting. It's like the Spider Man thing. Yep. No, it is. That's just Spider Man. Yeah. And I think Little Toto is like, man, I kind of wish I could have. Or no, um, Little Toto comments on like, uh, like, oh, you shoot yours back, and. Uh, Nell's like, yeah, it's kind of a waste, you know, to shoot that like that. Yeah. Lilto's like, yeah. <laughs> I should have kept it. Lilto's like, I don't believe in shooting that stuff out. You know, it's a waste. <laughs> I was like, all right. What a wholesome interaction there. Oh, uh, you, you sk- so when uh, you skip the part, when Lil Toto talks to uh, Hikone about if uh got Grimmy in there, when Hikone, says, oh, yeah. when Hikone says yes, she just starts blasting him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and they mentioned that even Hikone, when that was happening, so – Hakone is like, did I make her mad? And Shinji is like, he was oh, you might have stepped on a landmine, I yeah. think. <laughs> like Shinji's still just hanging out. His narrating. commentary in the back is yeah. hilarious. And Hakone's like, oh, sorry, like my, my like I don't know what I did. And He's like, like, I'm sorry, please Lil don't Toto's be mad at me. Little pissed, just shooting at Hakone from on top. So that even though I'm I'm on Little Toto's side 100 percent because she's cool, Hakone is so likable. Yeah, yeah, so likable. But I like that whole interaction with the Stern Ritters because I mean, Candace is just blasting him, and then Maneas is just like picking up yeah. fucking Ikumiko Domo and just like slightly tossing him or something. You're trying to put him off balance. Yeah, He's and I was just like, him. what the fuck? Like Bambietta, zombie Bambi is just shooting. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, Shinji having flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did have a flashback. Shinji, I think, sees that, and Shinji's like. I could go in there right now, but I'm a bit concerned with Bambietta, like just yeah. shooting all shit around. And the whole time, Akone's like, "What I do? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it." <laughs> so we go now to Grimjo and Loopy, and they are still getting ready to fucking fight each other after this whole thing to happened. The death. And her, Shinji is just like, "You know, I could intervene, but I feel like I might complicate matters a little bit further <laughs> if I go in there." And he does mention that you know Genjo is still around here, and he's kind of wondering what is genjo's deal like what it, what why is he here and that's when we see out of nowhere nanao appears and it is like what up what up everybody and she I said i wasn't expecting that to be honest and so they mentioned that despite Nanao being less suited for combat she still like bravely jumped in the middle of everybody and they there's quincy's Aronkars, and now Fullbringers that are all hanging out together and they were all originally enemies of the 13 court guard squads and she declares that she's going to take everybody into custody of the first company and this is something that obviously uh, surprises and they say pacifies the situation because they're like uh what and that's when grimjo of course loopy they're both not fucking down for it but halibull steps in and yeah i think she tells grimjo to stop and gives loopy a look and they're like okay <laughs> like, hey boss lady came in man i <laughs> yep and then all of a sudden they're all down now, we do see a last scene of the chapter with Mayuri talking to Nanana. Mm-hmm. And they're, of course, in another part of the Rukonga, and they're discussing the analysis of the growing entity, which is obviously Ikimukodomoe. And Nana said that he could actually finish analyzing it, and he said that he could paralyze the creature for just a moment, but it would be difficult because even during the fight, it was continuing to grow. Mayuri states that in the short time remaining, this is going to be the time where they determine the power dynamic between the court guards and the aristocracy. And that is the final part of the chapter. But it is worth noting, Mary shits on Nanana that whole time. Straight up, the, the whole time he's just talking shit. The whole time. Like, Nanana's proud. Like, yeah, I was able to decipher it. It's great. Check this out. And Mary's like, why are you bragging about doing your only use? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's so tough. And Nanana's like, fuck you. He's like that skill in D&D. What is it? Uh, it's just I forget Rockley. what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't remember the name of it, but I was fucking dying. Mm-hmm. Mary's a class character, dude. Just everything. Anything in chapter 15? I know we mentioned some of the stuff as we were going about, but anything else you guys want to touch about on that? Nah. Well, I Good. I remember Iko Miko Domo re- released a bunch of little, like, 
flying yes. things, and that's yeah. what caused everyone to kind of team up. And oh, that fight is him. worth noting because that still comes up later. So yeah. during that fight, with when the original Stern Raiders hop in, is because Ikemikodomo starts kind of vomiting out smaller versions Remember, he of like himself. Curls up. Oh, and then, up into a yeah, ball. He cur- yeah. yeah, he curls up into. So Sonic. he creates other. Um, forms of himself even attributing it to something like our boy uh, rude bone yeah yeah, yeah. very similar because uh little tote when she eats them she's like oh they're kind of hollow it's gross yeah uh, uh so did is this the chapter where they mentioned the ryu doji clan or is that next chapter uh, next next chapter. next chapter okay so yeah fuck we'll just get it there ryu doji clan is the the fucking bastard from the first movie <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah. yeah so excited we don't have even to go we could zoom right through we'll get to that ryu doji clan part all right let's go all right Chapter 16, and this is, of course, in a peculiar location in the Kyogoku, which is a place within the Garganta, which is a void surrounding the worlds of living in the soul society. We've seen this a bajillion times. And since this area that they're in is unlike the vibrant blue skies of other realms, appears dimmer and is on inorganic wasteland with rocky cliffs. Within it are two structures, a luxurious eastern-style palace and a massive floating royal palace that they say is reminiscent of the squad zero area mm-hmm. where like it's like almost they, i think they say it's a ripoff later they're like damn they're <laughs> fucking just ripping the shit right up and it says despite its intimidating presence this floating palace it seems uninhabited and lifeless aura's there and thanks tokenata or i guess tokenata is more thanks uh aura for his efforts and tokenata says that it's wearing his japanese style clothing and it seems like he's a perfect fit for the palace and he reflects on their success in ichigo kurosaki's absence attributing part of it to hikone who, which Hikone is like, I feel so horrible. I wasn't there to protect you from the assassins. Like, I'm so, yeah. I feel so bad. And Tokenata's like, nah. Such dude. a genuine kid. He's like, you did a good job. And then Aura finds the Kyogoku curious and discusses his nation with Tokenata, who he theorizes that it is formed from lost souls and able to reincarnate, possibly a product of humans escaping the cycle of life and death. Hmm. And this is where Tokenata mentions a certain Ryodoji family, which is Ganju mm-hmm. for everybody at home. The first, uh, Memories of Nobody? Gone Ryu. Gone, Gone Ryu. Ryu. I was like, wait, Sorry. Ganju's a Shiba. Gone Ryu. And is it Memories of Nobody? Is that the correct yeah. title? It's almost, yeah, it's with Senna. It's almost like they are in some place, some kind of valley of screams, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. And Tokenata goes, you know, there was a notable clan, uh, the Ryudoji family, that actually got banished to Kyogoku. And he seems to kind of like... Almost Tokenata was out of the loop. He's like, man, I wonder, uh, surely they're going to try and seek their revenge one day. Or maybe it happened when I wasn't looking, which, as we know, it happened when he wasn't looking already. And Aura is asking Tokenata about the possibility of Tokenata wanting to meet with Urahara because they have Urahara captured. And Tokenata's like, no, fuck that shit. He says Urahara is still way too dangerous. And I think he says it would be almost as if the general walked up to the front of, front lines front and was lines, just like, yeah. let me just fucking go for it. He said, nope, too dangerous. I don't even want to be in the same room with Urahara. And I will only go there maybe after we kill all of his other people. So he's like defeated. You know? That's right. Respect, dude. <laughs> fuck it. You can't take on Batman. Yeah. So Tokenata, which I love. This was the scene I was referring to earlier. Just fucking love. Aura's like, hey, did you want to meet Urahara? And he's like, no, the fuck I do no, not. thank you. Like, I'm not interested in that. And I like that we've seen Tokonata as such a sharp tongue this whole series. Like, so smart, so, like, ahead of the curve. And even he is like, I did not even want to have a conversation with Urahara. Like, no, thank you. That man is just too deadly. Mm-hmm. I'd like to mention that in this scene, he is in his base of power, surrounded by his two powerful assistants. And Kisuke is captured and is no 
that I don't want to fuck with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know way too much and I'm way too smart to do that. Thank you. It's like, yeah. I think he says almost like any meeting with Urahara is a chance for him. Yeah. Like, it's just not even worth to go. Yeah. In there. Yeah. That's exactly what he's he says. He's captured, but he's not helpless. Mm-hmm. So Tokonata then uh, is informed that Hisagi was also there. And he's like, oh, that's. Kaname's disciple mm-hmm. and he expresses a deep desire to want to torment him despite knowing that the Soul Society will likely send individuals after them Tokonata's please and he's like oh this is great like they're gonna like, come I'm over so excited. two for one yeah he's like they're gonna come over here it's gonna be removed from the view of everybody mm-hmm. and he even says that he could chalk it up as mutiny and he's like this is gonna be fucking awesome like 10 out of 10 and he says that he is eagerly anticipating the arrival of his old enemy Shunsuke Hiraku and he's totally ready to eliminate everybody else who tries to disrupt his game plan god damn Tokinata I hate him so mm-hmm. much so now we have a brief scene where we're at the 11th company barracks again Kenpachi officially receives the message from the first company and orders Ikaku and Yumichika to get ready to leave we go back to the Urahara shop in Karakura town where Ryanosuke and Shino are discussing the news of uh, basically Urahara fucking getting kidnapped and Hiori is there and basically like they're, they're amping up Urahara. Like, what are we going to do? Like, he's like yeah. a hero. What are we going to And Hiro's like, who the fuck wrote that stupid-ass article as a fucking liar, <laughs> as a propaganda piece? And Hasagi's like, that was me. <laughs> I, I, I love the part where he's just like, oh. Um, yeah. 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 Like, right right up. here. Yeah, here. I did that. Mm-hmm. So Hisagi just kind of being a fucking sad boy about not being able to help and how useless and how he's like this in every situation, even with Tozen. And it's Tessai is the one that speaks up and basically reassures him of the value that Hisagi brings to the table because of all of his experience. Yeah. And he mentions that even someone like Ichigo, who despite his uh, obvious meteoric rise and strength, has had multiple moments of fear and has had to overcome all those issues himself or with the help of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hisagi is like, great point, great fucking point. And he says that Tessai's words uh, basically revitalize him and resol- and he resolves to continue his duties as a soul reaper. So some of the stuff that Tessai's talking about there is he is, is eventually stated, Tessai is just repeating stuff that he thinks Urahara would have said. Yeah. And he thinks back <laughs> I, to even the first time when Urahara was um, talked to by Ichigo. And Ichigo wanted to go run after Rukia. Mm-hmm. And Urahara's like, don't go kill yourself before yeah, you learn like, how to control Learn your how to fucking fight, dude. And Tessai even says that Urahara hates when weak people overexert themselves. And he's like, don't fucking do that. Like, you're good. And Tessai's like, you have that fear in you. And because you have the fear, you can walk with it. He like, gives him a whole speech. And yeah. Isagi's finally like, oh, that's a great, that's a great point. It's like that's, a good that's, speech, man. Mm-hmm. I might listen. And then I think it's Genta is like, imagine being inspired by Tessai. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like I, I like Tessai though. He's yeah. cool as fuck. Yeah. So now they start to decide to head above ground to the, where the Urahar shop is, and the group starts to search for clues to locate Aura and Yukio, of course. And that's when they discover a strange sphere that has been left on top of the Urahara shop, which splatters a message in red fluid. And it directs them to search for Aura's believers and mentions a pillar that they should be looking for. Hiori comes out and sees about this red fluid on the ground. She comments how it looks like someone left a message with their own blood. Mm-hmm. And that's when you see it left a secondary message where it says, if you think this is reminiscent of someone writing in their own blood, you have no sense of humor. None. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Hiori starts stomping on the ground and you're yeah. like, fuck you. And then I think it was Ryanosuke was like, well, what do we do? I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's like, do I have no sense he's, of humor? Like, he's such a funny character. Mm, so funny. So then we go to the Kukakushiba residence, my one true love. Don't play that to my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> they're in the Rukange. An unusual, intense gathering 
is happening, which is what it's described as. And of course, it's because there's Fullbringers, there's Soul Reapers, there is Aronkars, there are Quincy's, the Kurosuchi Corpse unit, of course, is all there. Uh, Mayuri and Nanana are also there, where they are apparently just hanging out in the corner, observing everybody. And Nanana decides to take this opportunity to confront Lil Toto about not helping him when he got shot in the back by Basby. I Baz totally B. forgot about that. And Lil Toto's like, dog. Basby seems to do that shit all the time. You should have dodged. <laughs> He's just like so pissed. And Loopy, of course, also uses this opportunity to try to provoke Grim Joe into fighting again. But Mayuri actually ends up zapping him with the electricity. And doing this zaps all the other corpse unit of the same electricity. And it's Charlotte and Minnie where they're like, they don't know if they either were not feeling it as much or if they were too dumb. Whereas like they're not <laughs> reacting as much as everybody else. Well, I mean, we know Charlotte likes it. Yeah. And then Candace is like, please like, Oh, this shock is fucking nothing on me. But then she begins to hallucinate centipedes crawling all over her. And oh, begins to scream she, as well. She has that different type of poison in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's not until Kukaku, who is sensing all the escalating tension and is like, yo, if you guys are going to actually fight, fucking take it outside, please. Like, I on. love that. It's just like, yo, mm-hmm. you guys going to be get the fuck out of yeah, my house. He's like, you guys can squabble, but if you're going to fight, fight, there's the stairs. Like, fucking go outside. And this is when Halibut and Nell, they're like, she's strong. She's like, really yeah, they strong. like her. Yeah. And Mayuri, and of course, his typical fashion, he makes some sort of shitty, sarcastic comment about like, man, like what a, they think he said that they're using like fireflies to light. He's like, you guys have really dumbed it down since your aristocrat days. And that's when Kaku gets upset. Like, hey, can we kick that guy out first? <laughs> and like, <laughs> and Yoruichi's like, nah, like, come on, we got to wait. Like, wait a second. And this is when Yoruichi updates Kukaku on Soifan's mission mm-hmm. and that she's investigating abnormalities within the Serate. And as they are talking, they sense a powerful spiritual pressure approach that upsets multiple people that are hanging out with Kukaku, Grim Joe, Girigo, all of the Bambi squad. And they faintly begin to remember this pressure and then it's revealed that it's Kenpachi Zaraki entering yes. the room. So everybody's fucking upset. And of course, followed it behind him is Ikaku, Ikaku. Yumichika, Kensei, and then lastly, Shunsui. And Shunsui enters and suggests that it is time to start their plan to supplant the four great noble clans. And that's the end of chapter 16. It's a hard line. That was actually a really quick one, but I like that chapter. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of character interaction, some stuff that I kind of lightly touched on and skipped over, but there's a lot of characters interacting that you would not have normally seen. Um, There's more interaction that comes up later that's very interesting with the Fullbringers, but I love that they just foresaw it. Because they even say at the start, what I touched on is like, it's a tense situation because there's Fullbringers, Aronkars, Quincy's, Corpse Unit, Mayuri. all in one it's room. Like, there's all these people who would never normally be in a room together in a room together. It reminds me of like, uh, you know, Avengers yeah. assembling your team and then you have like random squads yep. hanging out. Yep. This is just that scene from the Ray Guy arc where all the captains are in Ichigo's room, but they just hit random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like Ganji at the beginning, he's like, why the fuck are they here? And Kakaki's like, dog, just shut up. Like, just they're, like, they're you guests. know, this is, the, this come is on. the place. Like, come on. Everyone them. comes here. Mm-hmm. So it comes up again in other books. But if you need shit done off the grid, just go to Kukaku's house. <laughs> hey, it's the safe house. Yeah. Which, to be noted to Miri's point, when he's making fun of her for how simple the lighting is and stuff in the house, that's probably why it's off the grid. It's like mm-hmm. there's nothing there. Like they're using fucking bugs for lighting. I mean, she's always moving around. Yeah, oh, that's that makes true. more oh, sense. Oh, yeah, let's forget that. Just, just can up, up the and bugs go. and yeah. just move. <laughs> so her house is never hidden. She always puts up giant goddamn statues everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going to yeah. house. You gotta let everybody know when they enter. There's gotta be a grand entrance. It's just how it is. I always forget it's like the arms holding the banner, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So should we should we count how many characters are in this room right now? We got. Okay, let, let's, Kukaku. Let, let's start. Let, let's start. 
Yeah. Let's go Soul Reapers we, first. Yeah, no, I, we could do this easy. Kukaku, yeah. Ganju. Those are the two that's that are two. always there. Yeah. Then we have let's I'm gonna go Espada's next because yeah, that's easy. Because there's three of them. Halibull, Nell, Graham Joe. Am I even gonna include Loopy? Loopy Loopy's okay. in there. Then let's go. We're gonna go the other we're gonna go the rest of the squad. Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, Dordoni. Dordoni. Um, San- sandwich. Sandwich. I know. <laughs> sandwich. Um, then we'll go to the, the Quincy's next, right? We're going to go Candice. We're going to go Lototo. Mm-hmm. Minnie. Uh, Bambi. Giselle. We're at 14. Nanana. Nanana's there. Nanana. Nanana. And then, so we're at 16, 16 people in here. Currently. Then we have four more people. I don't even said Yoruichi. Yoruichi no, is 17. Yeah. Then we have four more people that show up. Oh, Nan- Nanao. Oh, Nanao's there. Nanao's yeah, Nanao's there. there. So that's 18. And the uh, full bringers. And the full bringers. You're right, Jose. Three. So we have uh, Genjo, Giriko. So, so we're 21 with uh, Tsukushima. Tsukushima. And then the four puts us at 25, which is Shun Sui, uh, Kenpachi. Oh, it's more than four. Kensei. Um, the 26. Ikaku. Yumichika. Oh, no, 27. 26 or 27? 26. One of the two. There's 26 fucking characters in this goddamn room. Yeah, 26. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. 26. So crazy. Like absolutely crazy. The I just party. like to imagine they all sat in a circle on the floor. They just like a giant Yeah, like, a, circle. like a kindergartners. Mm-hmm. And like Grim Jow's the Red Bull, so he's sitting cross-legged. He's not sitting traditional style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, Miri and Nanana are just in the corner. And I think Lil Toto, what started off the beef too, is like Nanana is sitting in the corner and he's like using his heel to identify everybody. He's just like inspecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the fuck you looking at, you weird lecher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. And it continues. So if you guys have anything else to touch on, there's a whole, I think the next chapter is all conversations. Nah, about. that's it for me. Uh, let's see. I think uh, Yumi Chika enters the room and immediately looks at Charlotte and uh, Charlotte, and yeah. Giselle and just goes, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. the interactions that they had that make me so happy. Mm-hmm. I was, I was like, this is one of the chapters. I can't wait for the other two to get to. <laughs> I was just giggling half they the time. Said when um, Kenpachi walks in, Genjo notices uh, Girko acting like, weird, yeah. and he's like, "You okay?" He was kind of startled because you yeah. remember Genjo doesn't know how he died. So, so Genjo's funny. just like, "Why? The PTSD why are you being a weirdo? Why are you being a weirdo?" And he's so like, "Oh, right uh, nothing, nothing." <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm good, well, the PTSD like... hit four people at the same time, and I think I don't know if it comes in the next chapter. Oh, it, it does come up in the next wait, chapter. Wait, does Grimjo interact with? Yes, yep. with Kenpachi. Well. But that's the next chapter. Pre- no, previously I don't remember. No, nope. they'll no, they'll right. talk about it. We'll get to it. But like, imagine you you're, you're buffed up on crazy Ichigo fueled full bring power. You get one shot killed. You're in soul society. You think it's over, and then he walks through the door. The devil yeah. is here. Yeah, yeah. like fuck. He's like, not a man. I, I feel like away. you almost have like they found me. They <laughs> yeah, found me. That <laughs> might have been full on freaking my shit the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just shit yourself. Be like, "Yep, sorry, I got to excuse myself. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. I'm not even going to the toilet. I'm just gonna walk home like this." Mm. <laughs> but next chapter where the good shit happens. Chapter seventeen. Kiraku begins to talk to Yoruichi and clarifies that his intention is to prevent Tokinata from gaining any prominence in the society, period. He actually wants to have this done before an article can be released, period, about mm-hmm. his ascension to the throne. And he acknowledges that there is a complexity of directly challenging the four great noble clans, but he's like, listen, we need to act covertly and take out fucking Tokinata. And Lototo is like, okay, you know, I get it. Soul Reapers, you know, you're doing your thing, but you guys want to use this pawns, like straight up. 
And Kirk is like, nope, that's not the case. Um, our ceasefire is still genuine. And he values the bond that they formed when they first invaded the soul palace. <laughs> yes. And Kiraku then goes on to guarantee the safety of Genjo and the other full bringers. So like, well, what about us? Like, Mary's trying to fucking murder us. And he's like, I guarantee you guys for now, we're good. And he says that includes all other captains and looks at Mayuri. And Mary's like, firstly, you don't have the authority to stop the research and development department from doing shit. And Tsukushima's like ready to fight at this point, like has his bookmark good yeah. to go because he knows Mary's up to some shit. And this is where we find out Mary's not even in there, in the room. This is a flesh a doll fucking, that yeah. he just created. It's remotely controlled and it was made as a counteract, uh, countermeasure to Tokunata. So because he's like goading him, like, go ahead, answer yourself into me. Go ahead. And Tokunata's is like, I'm not. Oh, sorry, Tsukushima. And Tsukushima's like, well, I'm not going to answer myself into something that's just the front and back of a book. I'm not going to do it. And that's when Mary's like, interesting. So you can smart so guy. He says that uh, Tsukushima can tell the length of like somebody's history before he answered it. Uh, so, oh yeah. So Mary's like, that interests me even more that you can tell that. He's and gonna dissect them this so is hard. where we get one of the best lines that we uh, Pythes has previously told us. And I yeah. fucking love it mm-hmm. where in rebuttal to me, saying like, yo, Shunsu, you don't have the authority for that shit. He's like, well, I'm going to have the authority. But if this fails and it gets out, who do you think they're going to put as the next head captain? It's going to be Biakia. And Biakia is going to crack down way fucking harder. You think he's going to allow all of your experiments? And the mirror is like, OK, OK. I, I just picture Biakia walking around and be like, hmm, your coat. Yeah, it's not nice enough. Go spend some allowance on this. I think in response, Mary's like, "You sneaky fox!" <laughs> it's like you fucker. <laughs> I just picture him with his like little angry face that he always does. Just like, yeah, he's like, "Yeah, you caught me on that one, you yeah. fucking bitch." Because like, it is true. It's very true. Biaki would crack down fucking hard. He's the no bullshit. He would walk in there and be like, "Get rid of this. Get rid of that. Get rid of that." I know there's a secret room somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. No, he would walk in. He'd look around, just say "Bon Kai sent Bon Sakura coming," <laughs> and just blow up the whole thing and destroy the whole R and D department. He would uh, ask them to rebuild it, and then he would uh, ask Mayuri, "Be like, so Ambassador Seaweed." Can you make it happen? <laughs> yeah. And he'd be asking for like, okay, research and development. I want you guys to develop new teas, new new <laughs> drinking formulas. Like, yeah. so that's going to be perfect. <laughs> Imagine like, they, they replace research and development, and Mayuri is now the head of the confectionery department. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you just see uh, don't him, forget, we got to add Chappie too. Mm-hmm. You just see him at a table looking miserable, like, the strawberry balance in this cookie is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be perfect. And so this is where we get the part after this, Jose, where Grimjo okay. and Kampachi are interacting yeah, with see, each other. I, I was about to hop into and that. And neither of them are down for this plan. They're like, no, fuck this. Grimjo's like, I don't want to be part of it. I'd rather just fuck up everybody. And Kampachi's like, me too? Me fucking too? He's like, you down? And this, of course, begins to rile up when uh, Kaku finally tells them, hey, settle down. Settle the fuck down again. Um, and Kiraku here promises not to interfere with Grimjo's future 1v1 with Ichigo. He's like, hey, if you oh. help out, we're not going to interfere. He's like, honestly, I don't think Ichigo would want us to interfere. And then he emphasizes that, to be completely honest with everybody in the room, this is coming from not the head captain, but from personal Shunsui Kiraku's desi- uh, desire to take down Tokunata. Yeah. So this is like a off the books, Let's not head captain go. order. And this is when Halipol inquires about, oh, like you are all of a sudden good on, you know, recognizing 1v1s. Does that sense hold, hold true on Stark? And I'm like, that's fucking she right. Fucking brought that it up. shady I was little bitch. That shady little bitch. And he's like, Yes, it does. I promise. But Kiraku is kind of like, 
reflecting in his mind of all the things that he said, which I fucking would make fun of him for. Oh, in a war, both sides are evil. You can't, uh, there's no rules in war. And he's like thinking back on these things. He's it's like, like God damn asking him, well, what about then? What, what about Stark? How do you feel about that? And he's like, no, like I fucking promise this is the same case for Stark as well. And it does end with Hiroki basically being, I cannot promise if another war breaks out, but as of right now, yes. And Kiraku states, in terms of Ichigo, he's pretty sure Ichigo wants something other than war anyways. Mm -hmm. We now go to the underground facility of the Urahara shop where we see Hisagi, Hisagi and Tessai, where they have a whole bunch of people lined up with abnormal spiritual pressure who are actually followers of the of religious group, of course, Execution, that Ori Michibani is part of. And these individuals possess items that were made into circuits using reishi, similar to a device known as the Tenkai Ketchu. And these devices were previously used as a countermeasure against Aizen, which we talked about mm -hmm. in the earlier chapter where we started. And he says that they were likely copied from Urahara's prototype by the Suna Yashiro clan. So this is the four pillars that they put around the fake Karakura town. And they now have many versions of them they were wearing made into circuits is what they're discovering. And we cut back to the Kakushiba residence with Mayuri now, where he confirms the presence of miniature Tenkai Ketchu devices among the evidence that was obtained from the visual department. He says these devices, which he's speculating, were attempts at mass producing which is the old Urahara design. And Kiraki speaks up that these devices might be set up to switch out Karakur Town, where strange boundaries have been established, cutting off communication. Then the group further discussed basically what this could possibly mean and how even if it had that many people, they wouldn't be able to transport all of Karakur Town. And uh, Genjo suggests that Yukio might be involved in creating the boundary around Karakur Town. Kiraku fears that the Tenkai Ketchu might be used to switch out something as significant as the Ryokyu. But Mary said there's no way that neat freak Sinjumara would allow such a thing. So they're talking <laughs> about maybe they would try to swap out the air above Karakura Town with the Royal Palace. Mm -hmm. And Mary's like, no. Sinjumara would see that shit in a fucking second. There's not a chance that they installed them up there. Oh, speaking of them, I think there was a part. I, this is a previous chapter that I'm hopping back. What was it that they were talking about? They would rather create it and do it themselves. And they were talking about both Urahara uh, and... Mayuri and Senjimaru. I think it's the Hogyoku. It is the Hogyoku, yep. right? Because that's because yep. they were talking about how the the game plan with Urahara is for them to kidnap Urahara, which they've accomplished, and then they're gonna basically destroy everything to the point where Urahara has to make them a Hogyoku. Yeah. And they talk about where they had potentially tried to do that before, and they need someone like Urahara. They don't have somebody, and that was part of the thing with Hikone. The Suni Yashiro family, which I think they might touch on a little bit coming up here, they don't have someone that is as skilled as Urahara on their payroll. You know, they they don't have that ability, so they need someone like that. You can't buy Mayuri. Exactly. And you can't obviously buy Sinjamara because she's fucking up in the royal palace. So Mayuri finally is like, all right, listen. All right. Junsui's like, hey, Mayuri, you know where they are, right? He's like, of course I fucking know where they are. And he says that he's had tracking bugs on everybody since they started fighting in the Rukan guy. And he has tracked Hikone to Kyugaku, a dangerous area in the Garganta. And he demonstrates his abilities. Mayuri basically creates an immediate path. He's in his black orbs, creates a path immediately to the Kyugaku. And he's like, we could go right now if you guys fucking want. Like, there you go. Like, hop right in. And he says that we can even go so far as to pursue Hakone and Tokonata and leading to a direct confrontation inside of the Kyogoku. We go back to the Urahara shop where a similar thing is happening with Heisagi and Tessai where they're investigating normal spiritual pressures. And the individuals, they are still investigating the Tenkai Ketchu. And Tessai deduces that these miniaturized Tenkai Ketchus might be part of a plan to transport a large number of people 
possibly around 700,000 to a different location, potentially targeting Karakara Town. So he believes that instead of the area, they're going to take the people and take them to a certain spot. He saw he's like, okay, well, let's use one of them. Teleport me right now to where they're trying to take them. Like, let's go. And he kind of gives a little bit of speech like, listen, me as a Soul Reaper, I'm going to continue my duties, even if it's well above my pay grade, even though I failed at fucking everything, I'm going to go. And Tessa's like, hey, don't sacrifice yourself to do something stupid like saving Urahara, you know? And he's like, no, I if I will put the mission above that. And Hiori's like, fucking, you're so stupid. I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> Hiori's like, like okay. I'll go to um, Ryanosuke, says that he wants to go also, but Sasaki's like, hey, Ryanosuke, my boy. You got to chill, my guy. You got to protect Karakura Town, yeah, my yeah. boy. That's that's your job right there. Don't you worry. And then they tell, they tell Hiori, unfortunately, they need her to stay here because they deduce that the barrier uh, surrounding Karakura Town is actually weak to hollow powers. And so they start setting up the transportation setup, which infuses Hiori's hollow powers into the devices, and then sync the coordinates with Hisagi. He warns Hisagi that the transportation might take anywhere from a few minutes to half an hour due to the forced breakthrough. And then Hisagi, even though nervous, he's ready and to, wants to proceed for the sake of the Soul Society and the balance of the world. With everything set, Hisagi then is engulfed in light and transported, leaving behind the Karakura town, going to who knows where the fuck when or how long it's going to take. And that's the end of chapter 17. Chapter was so good. It was a fucking great chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. More good character interaction. I really love all the shit that's happening in Kukaku's, Kukaku's little hideout. I still fucking love, like, you want destruction? I want that too. <laughs> Let's go, bro. It's so good. And it's just like a lot of people going how do I know you're not going to shoot me in the back when I go through there? And also like, this is clearly like soul reaper, you know, aristocrats. Why would us is, you know, Espada or full bringers. Why would we help you guys? Like, why the fuck would we do that? And he's like, well, like, you know, I created peace. Like we have a ceasefire currently friends right now. Yeah. Like like, right now we're great. You know, I'll let you fight Ichigo. Exactly. And it's just kind of him slowly going around, giving guarantees to people to get them on board. I just picture him passing out little like cards. Be like, here, you get this one. Here's <laughs> yeah. your freebie. And I think at one point he tells everybody like, you know, if you help me out, this would be a great favor you could get from me later. I fucking love the way he says <laughs> that. And this is a chapter I've been desperate to get Sam to with like, look, he really, really did not want to kill Stark, but he did. <laughs> and Halibel's like, yeah, so about Stark, right? And he's like, He's like, fuck, she brought it up. Yeah, and it's also, I don't think I mentioned that this is when Grimjo is like, aren't you the fucking guy that took out Noitora? Yeah. And Kenpachi's like, why does every Espada bring that up? Like, I don't even give a <laughs> shit about Noitora. Like, He's like, I don't care about that dude, man. Yeah. I forget the right phrasing, but he literally just goes like, God damn, that's the only thing I'm known for. I <laughs> yeah. slaughtered Yami yeah. too. Come yeah. on, guys. The Stark part I really like because I feel like Halibol is like, listen, it's one thing if he took out this is a bad example because I was just preaching his goodness earlier, but Bargon. Okay. It's mm-hmm. one thing like, cause Bargon would have fucked you up regardless. You know, like he's like, uh, he's going to take you out. He's an old but school king. Stark is like, he just wanted to do his thing. He didn't want to fight. He, he created a friend for himself. He wanted to be left alone. Well, not left alone. He wanted to be in the, in the area of other people. He didn't want to have this fight. And so Halib was like, Oh, about Stark. Like he, that was a good fucking <laughs> dude that you fight. just murked there. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have no comeback to that, so moving on. You got me on that one, Chief. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah. And there wasn't even a rebuttal. He was just like, yeah, for Stark 2, I promise. Like, what are you promising? Like, the honor is 1v1 in the future? Yeah. Like, the fuck does that mean? 
I will say the ultimate ruined it. The ultimate sin committed by all of these books is teasing us with Grimjaw versus Kenpachi that we never get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. That's too cool to be real, and I'm so mad about it. Grimjaw would not survive. It would be an epic fight. No, he get no, he gets his second resurrection from uh Bleach. That, oh. That's that's the only way that it would work. It would work. He would have to get a second resurrection because it's just like Kimpachi, his power scaled so fucking far in Thousand Year Blood War, where it's just would not. It would be a murder. He has Bonkai now. Mm-hmm. It would be a murder. You could, you could justify he doesn't really know how to control it yet. Like he snaps his own wrist later. But I want it, and they won't let me have it. Will it will it into existence? I'm sure I could find that fan fiction if I looked hard enough. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Anything else that we missed in Chapter 17 that you guys want to talk about before we go on? Uh, nope. All the good shit is in the next couple chapters. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm waiting for the last. Well, there's only one more chapter and then, like, the intro loot, right? Yep. Yeah, and there's yep. one where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to drop this lore. Here we go. We're talking more about Aura. And it says that Aura's life was largely shaped by momentum and a lack of personal goals or attachments. She said she accepted uh, Tokunai's invitation to utilize her full brain without much thought or purpose. Initially unaware of Tokunai's intentions, she just kind of mechanically followed whatever he was doing, defeating Hollows, inadvertently strengthening her full bringer powers. She ended up becoming so incredibly powerful that well she became so powerful and remained disinterested in anything like wealth or prestige and she just continued to continue following tokenata and tokenata then used zora to further his ambitions of course having her control a massive surge of spiritual pressure to locate a large kyogoku within the garganta she stole a miniaturized version of the tenkai ketchu for him um of course from a safe and mass-produced hundreds of thousands of them on tokenata's command or also established a religious organization to gather believers as part of tokenata's plan uh worth noting there that they say, I actually believe this was in the last chapter. Mayuri, I think actually it was Shunsui, says that he believes that how the Tenkai Ketchu little miniature was allowed to survive and how they got a copy of it was that Yamamoto took it and put it in a safe in Central 46, thinking it would be gone forever. Mm. But of course, the Sunyashiro family has access to that. I think they also mentioned that, that this is some shit Kisuke made, and Yamamoto goes, This is too dangerous to use. He's like, I'm going to yeah. just keep this for safe. Yeah, keeping. so I think they said that he made literally one, and then he took it. And he was like, no, nope, yeah. not going to have you this. Fuck that. that. And then, of course, Tokonata got his hands on it. Cause, and they mentioned even, I think uh, it was back when they were fighting underground, where it's like, Tokonata sure is good at stealing other people's shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's just what he does. I mean, all he does is sit there and spy on everybody every day. So he's like, mm-hmm. that looks like something of importance. We'll get to that in just a minute, but that's going to be another, that's going to be number 10. <laughs> okay. So it says that as she continued to follow Tokonata, the scope of her task just started escalating. So she then built a colossal castle in the sky of the Kyogoku and a palace on the ground for Tokonata. And she's just like totally does not know what she's doing here. She's just following command and then she eventually learns that they were meant for a king that tokenata had yet to create following the quincy soul reaper war tokenata's ambitions became clear to aura as he tasked aura with creating the body of this king using a collection of corpses of both soul reaper and quincy's and a unique mass of reishi as materials he even mentions that if she needs humans or full bringer bodies he could go get that for her like That's whatever she insane. needs insane and this is where we find out also that like tokenata quite literally uh, after the war sent people to go collect Zanpak toes, mm-hmm. sent them to collect uh, Quincy bodies. This is how he collected fucking Grimmy's yeah. brain. He literally scoured the battlefield. Resourceful. 
Mm, yeah, I mean, hey, somebody's got to do it. And it says that Tokonata's intentions then became evident. He planned to use Aura's powers to construct a being to serve his king, aligning with his obviously broader ambitions. And in the Kigoku, Tokonata could sense the arrival of Kiraku, of course, and say that no matter which route anyone would take, they will not be going home. We cut back to Kakashiba's residence where Mayuri and Ganju are discussing the situation at hand. And Ganju's like, shouldn't you be in there? Like, shouldn't you be in there fighting with everybody? And Mayuri's like, well, somebody has to stay back to ensure that they have a way back. And Ganju's like, well, why don't you just send an offshoot of yourself? Like, you have this one here. Why don't you send that in there? And then you can just stay here. And Mayuri says that he is very confident that they are all walking into a trap that is set by Tokonata. And he says that being in charge of the visual department, Tokonata for sure knew that they were hanging out at Kukaku's like, residence. Mm -hmm. So he knows that they're here. Kukaku, obviously observing the conver uh, conversation, is she's pretty indifferent to whatever Mayuri is saying. And um, he Mayuri even brings up about her possibly reclaiming her aristocrat status if she went on Tokonata's side. And he's surprised that she didn't do that. And she says that she has no desire. To, or her only desire is to live without regrets, honoring the legacy of her family, including that of her brother Kayan and Uncle Ishin. We go to the Kyoku now, where we see Shunsui, Shinji, and literally everybody else as they're assessing the situation as they're greeted by a vast horde of hollow-like monsters, and they say in the numbers of hundreds of thousands that were there. They are all capable of self-propagation, and they vary in spiritual pressure. Kiraku speculated that the monsters were basically uh, using the dense reishi of this Kyogoku that they're in mm -hmm. to multiply as many times as they need. Kibachi needs to hear no more. He, they, somebody says... That palace up there is probably where the boss is. He's like, all right, I'm off. Say less, my like, guys. Let's go. So he just charges right through, and it says a single swing of his sword is taking out, like, hundreds at a time. He's just, like, fl flailing his sword, taking out all of them. Of course, he's followed by Kaku and Yumachika as well. He's just playing Dynasty Warriors at this point. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what he's doing. So Shinji sees the amount of people and the um, the amount of monsters that are in between them, and he, he volunteers to act as an anchor to basically draw everybody else away. And now is actually the one who's like, no, like it's not a good fucking idea. We can't leave Shinji by herself. But Kiraku is, uh, no, he's got it. Like, Sh I like Shinji's like, got it. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. We should leave. So Shinji is net, like, he's like, he is actively thinking, I got to show my strength here or he's going to make fun of me. Like I got to I gotta do something <laughs> cool here. And he's totally prepared to confront the horde by himself. And he activates Zanpakuto. He says, collapse Sakanade. As everyone else spins to take off towards wherever goal they're going towards, the full bringers turn invisible using Kiriko's mm -hmm. thing. They fucked off. And everybody else is now dispersing. We are uh, with Genjo now as he calls out to Yukio. He's like, Yukio, I know you can fucking hear me. Like, what's up, my boy? And, of course, he peers out of nowhere on his monitor. And Genjo says that he can recognize Yukio's presence due to him sharing his Fullbringer powers with him back in the day. And confronts him about his involvement with the religious organization execution, of course. And Yukio admits, yeah, I'm involved with execution. Um, but he didn't say what exactly he's involved doing. Because as we know, Yukio had a goal. We don't know. And then we, of course, see Aura appear. And Aura's like, Genjo, like, good to meet you. He's like the founder of execution. And Genjo clarifies that this execution is not his group. Yeah. He says the group that he created is a group of idiots trying to turn the world upside down. Now we cut back to Shinji, who is now facing the, once again, hundreds of thousands of these monsters that are now multiplying and he uses Zanpakuto Sakanade to do his classic you know reverse their uh, senses create illusions um, to basically disorienting all these monsters and despite the adaptation um, so the monsters see this happening and they're like okay he's fucking with our eyes we'll close our eyes yeah, we'll adapt I, and we'll I close like our it. eyes and they start using sound for coordination and then Shinji's like okay and he they said that Shinji is used to this style obviously the first 
thing you would try is closing your eyes. So it says because of that, Shinji is trying to purposely change how his Zanpakuto works always. They say sometimes he sets it to like up and down will be normal, but left and right are reversed. Sometimes he changes so that the sound that you're hearing comes from a different direction. And he says like he will so constantly hard. fuck with how it works so that you cannot adapt fast enough. I cannot stress how bad I feel for Shinji. Because everyone clowns on his Zanpakuto because the only two people he ever fights with it are the two that can counter it. Yep. I think it's said that most people cannot break out or adapt to Shinji's. Like, almost no one has. Minus Aizen. <laughs> I, Bambi is, Bambi's power exists to counter Sakunade and Aizen is him? That's not fair. Mm. That's so not fair for Shinji. Yeah. So he gets to so show funny. He gets to show off here. Yep. And then it says that here the monsters begin to actually like dig into the ground and start mass populating themselves. And it says they're trying to turn it into a race to see if they can populate fast enough to basically out evolve Shinji's Zanpakuto. And Shinji's like, all right, let's fucking do this thing. It's like, I guess we're going for and it. And we see Shunsui now um, talking to now. Everybody's heading towards where they need to go and left Shinji to deal with all the monsters. And Shunsui's like, I full on believe that Shinji's Bankai had a similar range type effect that he's waiting for and everything that has happened so far is in Shinji's grasp like mm -hmm. he he knew this was going to happen and he says he believes that Shinji's Bankai has a, an effect that makes it risky for allies to stay close much like other captains uh, captains like Miyuri or the seventh Kenpachi which also had an effect that allowed him to basically like chomp anybody in a radius yeah he was the dude with the tentacles right or um I don't know if he had tentacles but he has a BBS unit with a little yeah balls. with the balls yeah he, he is a chest hair sideburns man Yes, thank there you. you. There you go. Fugancho, so, I think is his name. I don't remember what. I don't his remember name his name. Yeah, that that yeah. description with the sideburns. He has a BBS unit. You can see it, and you can see the little chompers. That dude's bonk. They specifically said you are not allowed to use that bonkai in the Seireite. Don't fucking do that ever. And then it says as the situation becomes increasingly dire, obviously they're multiplying all over the place, hundreds of thousands. Um, the monsters identify Shinji as like and evil to them like they have to eradicate this guy right here because it is such a fuck up to all of them that they have to take him out but then shinji goes to use his bonkai sakashima yokoshima hapa fusagari and that's the end of the chapter i do love that panel well i get and well not really a panel but you know the art the, the, the art that we get was him just smiling and then the hordes yeah, yeah it's so good shinji got Two drawings, right, right in this one chapter, both incredible, really fucking cool. It's I feel so, I feel like so cheated because we got to see it in the anime. Like, <laughs> imagine if you two didn't know what the fuck it did. Well, and I feel like you know, alternatively, I I know what it did from Bleak Brave Souls. Sure, um, but. In Bleach Brave Souls, obviously, this isn't a complaint, but there's like a horde of like maybe let's say I'll be generous, let's say a hundred. It did not occur to me that in the – I wanted to say the manga, but in the novel, it's actually hundreds of thousands of them yeah, that he's using it on. Like, and the range must be fucking crazy because, like, Shunsui and everybody is hauling ass, and it's not until they're, like, way past the horde that Shunsui's like, okay, we should be good now. It's, I think the range is a couple miles. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it said. Which is, Which is pretty crazy far. Think about it. it that, is, that is crazy. And the fact that, you know, if we're not going to see it because we're going to go straight to the interlude. But I assume he takes out hundreds of thousands of them is crazy. Yeah. And imagine you're watching from the sidelines and you just see all of a sudden 100,000 people, whatever monsters, 
turn on each other. You'd be like, that what the be... fuck is happening? Yeah. Mm. You would need binoculars to see it. Be like, <laughs> what the fuck? It'd be such a bloodbath. Like, yeah. imagine all the pieces. It would be crazy. I mean, Just honestly, ripping each other apart and if, shit. If anybody's reading it and needs a visual, just go watch the scene from the anime. It does that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Yep. But it does that to 100,000 monsters. Way better, yeah. That's why I love it. His Shikai and Bonkai are reversed. His Bonkai is mm. only good for trash, and his Shikai is only good for, like, the strong ones. Anything you guys want to touch on for the – that is the last official chapter of the book. Oh, yeah. Shinji. Shinji just called somebody eye patch, And then Shinji goes, there's like, <laughs> there's, like, three people here with eye Three eyepatch. of them, yeah. And he goes mm. – well, no, Giriko is eyepatch, Shunsui, you're identified by your hat, and Kenpachi is Kenpachi. Yeah. Yeah. So, Fantastic. I love that. That's so good. That one cracked me up. Uh, so the fuck that bitch Tokinata, number 10, we're at 10 people, is I just wrote, bro can't do shit without Aura's help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite literally. Like, he found Aura and was like, okay, now do this. Now do this. Like, Aura is his one-stop shop. It's not even just as simple as like, hey, can you go steal this? Because like you can create smoke. No, recreate this. I want you to recreate this. I want you to create a human being. I want you to do this. Like, what the Here, fuck? I need you to be an alchemist. Yeah, create this building. Like, please. And, it, and it's not just create this building. It's create this perfect recreation. Okay, I want to look at it. So make me a palace to look at it from. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fuck that fucking guy. Let's see how many uh, fuck that bitch tokenadas we can get up into in the next volume. And, and I will say, uh, ignoring what the anime has shown, the book ending on Shinji using his Bankai and you not getting to see what happens is the ultimate edge. They're, ed- yeah, they're edging up. us like crazy. I'd be so pissed if so, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested, interested in what the point of what they're showing us with these interludes are. Are, are we good to continue to the interlude? Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, yeah. This I'm really intrigued as to what the point of this interlude is. So here we go. Um, we are back with Tozen and Aizen and talking about how their relationship has developed over time. And it says Tozen initially filled with lots of doubts and suspicion of that. This is going to be another token like character. Tozen initially viewed Aizen with hostility and he was like, he's going to use me as a pawn. It's just going to be a whole fucking thing. And then as he learned more about Aizen's, uh, quote, extraordinary powers and his intentions, Tozen's initial hostility started to slow, started to diminish, and he realized that Aizen was not merely a typical soldier bird, but someone who had transcended their limitations. Tozen's doubt about being a pawn vanished when he understood that Aizen simply doesn't need pawns because he's so fucking powerful and intelligent. <laughs> Tozen at one point tried to kill Aizen because he was doubting Aizen's intentions. He's like, that's going to be horrible. You can't do that. I, it says Aizen simply dodged. He's just like, he nah, just like, nah, not going to happen. And he says, this is a quote here. He says, you're more frightened than anyone else, aren't you? Not of death, but of not being able to carry out your revenge and of disappearing without attaining revenge. The path I take will likely be paved with many sacrifices. However, leaving the world in the hands of the soul reapers like this would be immoral, like turning one's eyes away from a chain of perpetual sacrifices. Even if everyone else objects, I do not intend to change uh, to change this theory. If you still condemn me, regardless of that, then you might as well sharpen your blade while you're with me in order that you someday or someday your weapon might reach me, which is what Gen does. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's exactly mm-hmm. what Gen mm-hmm. does. So once Aizen shared this with Tozen is of his grand ambition and how he wants to replace the Soul King and wants to reshape the world, um, basically informs Tozen that it is based off of this 
great sin, you know? And he revealed the existence, the existence of Fullbringers to Tozen. He's like, have you heard of Fullbringers? Like, do you know about it? And that says that they have actually a connection to the Soul Society's secret sin and the involvement of the Sunya Shiro clan in hiding information about Fullbringers. And he says that as he was testing, um, he kept finding these um, I don't know if they said they were storybirds, but even like people in the Rukong guy that he's using for sacrifice for the Hogyoku, yeah. of course, it all goes back to fucking that. And every once in a while, it would flare up, like when he would use these people. And that's what kind of secretly led him to find these Fallbringers. And he says that it led to the discovery of a nail, which is what led to the discovery of the Fallbringers for him. Tozen says, understanding Aizen's vision and recognizing the corruption that is in the soul society, Tozen then became prepared to become a traitor for what he saw as a just cause. Aizen, acknowledging Tozen's loyalty, then said uh, he will offer him a wish as a token of his gratitude. And Tozen initially just was like, hey, I just wish for you your new world, Aizen. Like, you my bro. I hope everything you say goes through. But then it, Tozen ends up surprising even Aizen. And he's like, well, I do actually have one wish. What I wish for is dot, 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 continued in volume three. I know. When I read that, I was like, God damn it, dude. Why can't they just ever give it to us? Because when you get it in volume three, it's really good. <laughs> so do you like volume three more than volume two? Uh, I read volume three when it came out. I have not reread it since then, so I can't remember shit. So, uh. Okay, all right. Yeah, this, this is like one of those things where I was talking about where they're talking about this nail and stuff, too, that is part of this full bringer. And it, it's a linchpin of the soul king that this, there's this nail and either even like, what is it? Oh, it's a fucking nail. Like <laughs> I'm like and then it's like I have this one wish that I want. I'm like, what is the point of this interlude? Like, I'm so intrigued, which is exactly what they want. I am so intrigued as like these couple of eyes and scenes we've been getting. Why? What are they showing us? Because Tozen's dead. He's dead, dead. Aizen is in fucking jail. So how is this going to relate to what we need to know? It's got to be something to do with the Fullbringers. It's got to be something. It relates to well, many I, things. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I think Pythes has told me bits of the soul, like all, all the Fullbringers. I, I don't want to really say it if, if it's going to be revealed later on. We'll, we'll get there. Okay, okay, yeah, we'll get there in the next one. Uh, so there is something I can reveal because they hint at it, but I don't remember if they actively explicitly state it. So they mentioned specifically a girl that they took something from where the nail mm. came from. That is Rangiku. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. I didn't want to, I didn't know if that would be appropriate. To I, interesting. Away I did not put that together. So yeah. I remember way back on an old bleach boys episode, you guys were wondering, so what did they do to Rangiku? It seemed like they might've assaulted her or something. I was like, no, but you gotta wait till you can't feel your own world to get to it. Interesting. Mm. Because, yeah, they talk about in this too that they took the nail and then that person still just went on living. They were yeah. just a full on a soul reaper still. Like, it was totally fine. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Did not realize that was Rangiku they were yeah. talking about. That was, that, Interesting. That was wrong. So, there's an answer to a question like, what, two and a half years old? <laughs> yeah, yeah long I think we asked time immediately ago. what that was and then we mm -hmm. asked why Gin was upset about it. Mm hmm. Because it fucked up Rangiku for a little bit. And then I just wrote, wow, they are edging the fuck out of the reader because they have mentioned the original Jin <laughs> so much. Yeah. And then they give you the fucking edge for the Bankai with Shinji. Yep. And then the edge on what is Tosin wishing for? Like, what is it? I wonder, dude. Sight. And then my last note I wrote was, ending it where it did left me wanting more. If I had more time, I'd pick up book three and just start reading right now. 
<laughs> yeah. The, hey, they did a really good job. So Imagine good. reading this like when the volume two first came out, and then you have to wait for volume three. Like, man, that's a long time. How long was the wait? That's pretty close. They came out, I don't know, six months, maybe a year apart. It's not awful. Hey, another totally unrelated news. Did you see that for Jump Festa, they released like an audiobook of We Do Not Always Love You, like part yeah. of it? Yeah. I didn't. It's only in Japanese. Yeah. Only in Japanese. And they have Rukia, like, and voice it. Rukia and Renji do voices for like a big part I of We Do Not Always Yakuya Love You. was in there for a bit, and that's it. That's hype. So I'm, I'm hoping that, fingers crossed, it's a movie. They do an official publication of the novel. Oh. So that would be really cool. Good. Then. Then when we finally do it, I don't have to read janky translations offline. I can read them. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping because I feel like Camp Fear World has done pretty well. Oh, it, it's been fantastic. Yeah. And then I mean, a Thousand Year Blood War just re-sparked everything. People are buying uh, Camp Fear World off the shelves. We can't even get it anywhere. Yeah, that's for fucking sure. Piece of shit. Uh, Camp Fear World Volume Two is back in stock though on Amazon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so mad about that. I was like, geez. Okay, but get this shit. Can't Fear World Volume 3 is not in stock. Now. I know. Oh, fuck. Because this is crazy. Because everybody they, See, what two. happened is, yep, everyone is like, hmm, them Bleach Boys, they're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was us. We're going to claim crazy. full credit. Do you two actually have Volume 3 yet? No. Nope. Like, why didn't you just buy it at the same time? Now, you're asking a good question. Yeah. You're asking, you're asking a really good question. So, what happened was I was on vacation. <laughs> but you got Volume 2. And you know what? There was a Barnes and Noble in that fucking city. Did it, I should have gone. During that conversation where you were talking about the woes of getting volume two, I was like, well, surely they're also just going to pick up three. <laughs> you don't know us that you well You give yet. us too much credit, Pythes. So I will announce to the people we'll get to volume three whenever the fuck these two get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll purchase it tonight. Listen, yeah. we should still be on route. So if we stick to... Two weeks from now, we should we should be able to have received it and read it by then. At least the first half. Yeah, at least the um, first half. Do you want to tell the people where we're stopping for the uh, volume three? Uh, yeah, so continuing. If anybody wants to read along with the Bleach Boys book club, we are stopping at chapter 22. There you go. Of Can't Fear Your go. Own World, volume three. Exciting times. Exciting shit. I can't fucking believe you two didn't just buy volume three. Are you for real? I mean, it should be pretty believable at this point with all things considered. I don't know. I don't know what we expected from that. I expected better of you. <laughs> are you disappointed? A little bit, honestly. <laughs> we went through a whole rigmarole. You sounded like... You now, sounded th- when we told you no, you're like, oh. Now, you could be disappointed, but... Now, well, if I tell you, look at, I got this sweat sweater instead. It's pretty pretty fly though, huh? Uh, uh maybe it'll show it better on the podcast. I can barely see it. it- yeah, trust. It'll show better. Soul Reaper badge on the arm. Look at that fire. Oh, fucking Ichigo right on the front. He's got both of his swords on the back, dude. Uh, uh from, fire. From my perspective, it just kind of looks like Ichigo has a big red clown nose on. <laughs> no, that's, the, that's, the hair. The, that's hair. That's yeah, hair. That's hair. See the shadow. big dark spot. That's what I. Yes, see. it's shadow. It's it's artistic shadow, Pythes. And I will say, why don't you embrace the consumer, you know, culture of America and just get can't for your own volume three? Also, Let's, when you got the sweater, we. It was Christmas, Sam. Well, this this purchase was originally made whereas like I could wear this for Christmas, but it showed up too late. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now it's for the podcast. Yes. Now it's a New Year's sweater, so it's perfect. Oh, also, also, 
Have you guys seen the potential Bleach console game yeah. that is coming? So um, I saw like t- uh, Twitter talking about a it. Bleach um, video game title has been trademarked in Europe. So in Europe, yes, they are thinking it's going to be a Bleach console game. It's a different name from Bleach Soul Resurrection, which I don't know if that's the right one, um, but from the mobile game from that mobile was coming one. out. It's a different name, so it's not going to be that game, which they also said they should be releasing that game on console. But be pretty fucking cool, a new Bleach console game. What kind of game could even make? What Dynasty Warriors. Arena Fighter. That's, Jose, they've made that already, my boy. Like that, And that game still holds up good as fuck. That um, PS3 game. Give me Bleach Xenoverse. Ugh. Disgusting. Is that the one where you just create a character? Yeah. yeah. I want to make I mean, that's Ron cool. Carman. Phil so Ehrman. you want some sort yeah. of creative character. I wrote about I'd be okay Phil. just playing the story. I wrote about Phil Erman in these notes, and I didn't have a chance to Can I just it. say, I personally hate video games where they have a creative character that you can use in the matches. Like, in the game. Or, like, in the fighting. In Xenoverse, I, you can I, just use the other characters. Yeah, but I feel like then you fight somebody's dumbass creative character, and it's like, that's not what I want. You can use, you know, you can use the normal character. I would be okay too. with, like, a kind of like a Camp Your Own World kind of game, where it's like, it still has all your favorite characters, but you're on a different story, and it's got its own missions and shit. But it, if it was anything like the Harry Potter game, where it was, like, free roaming, and there was, like, quests That would stuff, be sick. I would 100% that would be all about that. Ooh, a Harry Potter style game in the Bleach universe, which I guess is just really a Dark Souls type game, right? Yeah, that would be fucking sick. Fuck yeah! Well, Harry Potter was not a difficult game, but no, it was not. That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. But the Dark if it, you added the Dark Souls element to it, where it's like super difficult with like you know venturing to the because like, then that makes sense to create your own character mm-hmm. and play in that in that world. That'd be fucking You're awesome. You're just a random uh like yeah assigned to a yeah. random uh like Captain like what you see with Camp for Your Own World. It's just random Hasagi just mm-hmm. in the middle of all this stuff. Like Sam, that, that would be fucking sick. Okay, imagine. Did any of you play the Attack on Titan games? No, no, I no. saw them, but I never got to play uh, them. Attack on Titan two, you make your own character and just randomly insert it into the story. You can like form bonds and rank up with people and get special cutscenes. Imagine. There we go, Sam. You make your own character. You get to max bond level with Kukaku. <laughs> You're speaking uh, you my go. language, Pythes. You're selling the game. Sam, Sam's gonna kill the old Kampachi. Yeah. I'll come home. I'll come home to my save file deleted by my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna wake up and he's like, <laughs> she's gonna be like, so baby, who's Kukaku? No, yeah, no. <laughs> computer smashed. It's okay. It'll be so. That would be sick, though. I would love that. I'm on board for that, Jose. Yeah, that that's where my brain goes to it. Okay, here's a question for you guys and everybody in the comments. What squad are you joining? Ooh, oh, ooh. Shit. So let's so let's assume for this question. Just so we weed out the losers. In the video game, you have to be part of a squad. You can't mm-hmm. say, I want to be a spada. You can't pick you that. Can't. Okay, you don't get to be part of the espada. That's you have to pick a squad. That's for the sequel. Yes, yes, correct, correct, correct. correct. Kind of like the sequel to Harry Potter is going to go to the American schools. That's yeah. Um, okay, what squad am I picking? We've kind of talked about this before, um, where all of the squads... I wouldn't want to be in a tryhard squad. So I wouldn't want to be with Kimpachi. I wouldn't want to be with Byakuya. Boring. Snooze fest. But then who am I left with? I'm not going to be with Mayuri's squad. I think I would end up in uh, Toshiro's. And like what era of squads? Are we going relevant? Like this is Thousand Year Blood War captains? Yeah, let's let's stick with those. Let's go. Let's Thousand go. Year Blood uh, War. Let's go post Aizen defection, but pre Aizen defeat. But then that leaves a couple of squads that don't have a captain. Yeah, so you just hang out with you. The- you fill in as a captain. 
That'd be kind of cool. Okay. You you play as that would a, be cool. you play as a captain. You get to be like, all right, I'm. <gasps> this is just a recreation of Fate Captain Omegai arc, but good. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only correct choice would be have to be an Ukitake squad. Ukitake's yeah. would be cool. Mm-hmm. You get to hang out because then you're with Rukia. Well, because then you could do the thing where um he's not as acting captain, but you're yeah. like second seat. Or... I think you got to be an Ukitake squad or a Shunsui. You could be a Shunsui. Oh, I forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also, alternatively, it would be pretty sick. I don't know what it would be like to work under head captain Yamamoto. That'd be kind of sick. That would be squad sick. one. That'd be pretty cool. You'd get to hang out with uh, our boy Sasaki. With the boy. I know. I know. That'd be pretty fucking cool. A Soifan, as much as I'd love to hate on Soifan, you get to hang out with the boy Omida, <laughs> the hero. <laughs> Omida would be like, "You want to go to a strip club or what?" Like, let's go, baby. Take me around the aristocrat district, Omida. Let's go. I could see like a side quest where you're like, obviously, you get sent on missions to the world of the living. You come back. You you talk to Sasaki. Dude, I saw this awesome tea shop. They have Earl Grey, and he'd be like, "Say no more, bro." I love <laughs> that. Did I tell you I'm into the West? Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. Okay, now let's let's broaden this, right? Well, firstly, what what squad would you pick by these? Uh, so, as much as I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to Squad Four, and I'm gonna hit on my girl," I actually would love to. Uh, I kind of want to hang out with Yamamoto because he's cool. <laughs> Right? Wouldn't that be kind of sick? Because I feel like we have, like, we always see Yamamoto leading everybody, but what's it like to be part of Yamamoto's squad? You know? He's well liked. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's he was very well liked. That's why I imagine he's got to be fucking awesome to be to be part of. Like, you you remember those uh those those weird jokes? The joke, the what are they called? Illustrated Guide to Soul Reapers. He's having oh yeah the he's having a tea ceremony. It's all serious, and Yachiru bombs in, pops out of nowhere. He gives her tea. He says, here you are, my dear. And then she just fucking leaves, and he's like, all right, back to you. <laughs> it's like when Byakuya gives her the bun and just shoves it in her mouth. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now let's, let's, let's take this question. Let's widen it a little bit. Okay. You can pick any group that you want to be part of. So just for, just for reference, uh, Soul Reaper, Hollow, um, Visored, you could be part of. Uh, Stern Ritter, you could be part of. Fullbringer, you could be part of. What are you picking? Because I already know your answer, so don't even waste your breath. Oh, I'm, going straight, <laughs> I'm going straight with my boy. I'm gonna go hang out with Stark. Right. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? Dog? I mean, I bet if they allowed that, if you could like choose whatever side you want to be part of, I bet the numbers would be so incredibly uh, like skewed towards a wrong car and being oh, part of. That. Yeah. Especially if you were in Espada, like our Eisen controlled a wrong car. People would pick that in a fucking 100%, heartbeat. One hundred percent, dude. And there'd be the, how cool you'd look. There'd be like the top three that people hang out with Grim Jow because he's cool, Ukiora because he's cool, and Holly Bell because she's hot. <laughs> yeah, Hottie Bell. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Or uh, just hang out with Eisen straight in the quarters. It just <laughs> like no problem. Yeah. And then every now and then they ask you to take care of the little kid running around with his yeah. two friends. And well, then it's uh, Nell. Listen, also think about yeah, Nell's there. Also think about. Yami's dog that you can hang oh, out with. Where else dog. you gonna do that? Where else you gonna do that? I ca- I would want to give the pity vote and like hang out with Aro Nero. So what do you do all day? I eat stuff. Cool. And then, it's like not me though, right? Not me though, right? Well, <laughs> you'd be like, you're my friend. He's like, eh, well, I don't know if I can get you past the jar, so you're good for now. I fucking hate. I hate his jar. Hate it. it's so stupid. Well. 
fingers crossed a bleach console game fingers crossed a good one so that would hopefully mean double fingers crossed bandai namco doesn't fucking touch it so we'll we'll see how that goes <laughs> thank you guys for watching that has been camp Fear world volume two let us know what you guys thought of the novel as a whole in the comments down below of course what squad would you guys join if you were given a full character creation in a video game let us know and we will see you guys not one but in two weeks for volume three part one all right so make sure you guys leave a like subscribe tell your friends tell your bleach boys and we will see you guys next time thanks for the support happy 2024 everybody goodbye everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.